0: <laughs> okay, I'm going to start now. Good evening, it's Andrew Davis calling from www.toontalk.co.uk in wonderful, wet, weary gated. How is everybody this evening? Well, it's been an interesting weekend for the the Newcastle fans, for the Sun fans, hip hip hooray, they won again. (laughs) And also, unfortunately, uh, Middlesbrough, who were beaten by Chelsea. Uh, Probably saw that one coming, but it was an interesting game nonetheless. Remember, if you want to get through the show, it's 0191 538 9781, and we can also be heard via any handheld device on the www.novaradio.co.uk, so there's two uh, actual radio stations you can listen to, uh, to get any news on Newcastle, Sunderland, and occasionally Borough, and sometimes England. Uh, One of my guests from my regular guest, my co-host tonight, is Neil F. Mitchell from uh, Dubai. Good evening, Neil. How are you? I'm
1: very well, Andrew. How are you?
0: I not too bad, not too bad. Um, Lots to talk about as ever.
1: Through, through first time tonight, thanks to the vagaries of the internet here in the Middle East. It's all functional today and I'm not even blocked or anything like that. <laughs> yeah.
0: I nice mean, i that for a change, isn't it? Because you have to try so many ways to do it. It's a bit crazy, really, when you think about it. In this, in this day, in this era of modern technology. But um, our main guest this evening, one of our main guests this evening, is Janine South, who's been on the show last year. Um, her full title is a bit of a tongue twister, uh, but I'll go ahead with it. It's Independent Sports Reporter, Author, Content Provider, Sports News Service, Vice Chair, Sports Journalists Association, and AIPS Women's Commission. And, the, and you've won a few awards, haven't you, Jenny? Well, oh, I don't win
2: awards, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just put lots of things down on my CV in the hope someone offers me work.
0: <laughs> so it's probably the best way, isn't it? Yeah, the way things, the way things, sports are these days. Yeah. But um, good evening to you. How are you? Good evening. I'm fine.
2: A bit soggy
0: as well. Yeah, it's been a bit like that all day, isn't it? Uh, mm. Obviously, in lovely Dubai, he's basking in the sun, sticking a knife into us as ever uh, with Neil. But obviously, Newcastle um, not in the Premier League anymore. Uh, obviously, I would, I would suggest that um, I wasn't going to say a genius move by Mike Ashley. But uh, it's certainly been one of the best ones he's made in a long, long time, isn't it, Janine?
2: It is. I I have to say, because I think when I came on last time, I was talking about how everything was going wrong and the Mm. fans weren't engaging with the owner and the players Mm. weren't engaging with each other and nobody was engaging with the manager. And I mean, it Mm. couldn't be more gloom and doom. And two matches in this season, I did think, oh, no. Um, Yeah. But to be fair, um, what a job Benitez has done. And, and, I, and I don't just mean in terms of the results, because obviously results dictate. But the way he's come in um, and he, he's put his personality on it, he's decided that um, Newcastle can now start to competing in cup competitions. And, you know, a cup run can, can, you know, you've got Hull coming up. A cup run can mean so much. Um, and I, I just think he sold well in the summer and he bought better. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've i never really been a particular Benitez fan, but mm. I have to say I've been really, really impressed with
0: him this season. I think he seems to have had, obviously after the experience, it, I would probably think about Chelsea, where he wasn't really... What he wasn't liked was he full stop, but he still bought him a trophy. And obviously with uh, with um, Liverpool being such a part of his life and his family still living there, he, he, come, he just seems to have... He, He he just wants, he seems to want it more, which I think, you know, managers come and go in this era of uh, sack sack them and back them. But um, he just seems to want it that bit more after after his experience of being, you know, kind of shoved out the door with Liverpool.
2: Yeah. Well, but also, it was such a big job. It wasn't, you know, it's all very well saying, oh, go manage Newcastle, it's a big Mm -hmm. club. Everyone knows it's a big club. Um, you know, in my area, I've got Aston Villa, who are a big club, and, and they were in you know, dire straits, and, and I think now they've got Steve Bruce who will take them back, back in. But they've, they've, they've had an issue. It's not actually just being a good manager. It's also being a personality um, to get rid of all the rubbish, to get rid of the players who maybe are causing problems, to sort out all the political arguments, um, and, and then get a team that actually starts to play and starts to win. Um, and I, I've only seen Newcastle live once this season. That was at Rotherham. Uh, and I uh, caught a bit on the t- TV yesterday, yeah. And and it's all very might- it's mightily impressive.
0: Yeah, it's it. He's changed the whole philosophy, hasn't he, Neil? What Janine says there, it's like what? the whole the, the whole base is up.
1: The the the, the word Janine's used there is it, it, it's all about engagement, isn't it? And we, we feel this as fans is that Rafa has gone through the club and and been given total control on football matters. But there's so much happening around the club in terms of. Um, they've just been given lots of praise for the new website and the way they've, they've adopted this mobile-friendly website again. But that's not just a, it's something that's happened under Rafa over the last sort of year plus. The club have been trying to engage and listen more at all levels. You've got Lee Marshall uh, working at the Fans Liaison and Head of Media and Communications now, um, actually engaging with fans and taking on board suggestions and listening. And, and Lee Charney, to, to his credit, I know I've criticised him plenty on here, Mm-hmm. Um, seems to be keen to engage as well, and and I think it's it's putting back that that connection that everybody feels, and certainly as an expat fan feeling distance to it, I now feel closer than I have done all my time that I've been out here because I feel like I can engage properly, and I'm being in, engaged with, and not lectured at, uh, and all those things that we need to feel as a club, um, and and on the pitch he's created them. Um, a very efficient unit. I, th- I think again, we, we won yesterday really without getting out of third gear, mm. um, and, that, and that's quite an impressive turnaround, really.
0: It's interesting, isn't it, Gene, When you look at the way Newcastle, I think for years we we've played, but we've never really had a way of playing with with an identity. Um, the good thing now is that we've got back. We've got he's got such a strong in depth team. You've got backups for backups. Which even when Alan Pardew was there, Ch- John Carra was there. God, um, the list goes on to them. Um, that were there. We never, we never had that. And with Benitez, he, he always come across a bit short shift on any interviews he did. He never come across as a warm personality. But now he, he seems to, have, you know, he-, he he seems to be changing with the type, with the, the with the the tune time um, uh, reaction of fans.
3: Mm.
2: I think, I think you will see echoes of Liverpool in the, in the northeast because there you again you've got a proper old football club with with a, a following that is you know I, mean, I I've, I've been I was mean, going to Rotherham you know it was like going to, it was like going to Newcastle home match um, and the noise and everything um, everywhere you go you see black and white always have done the fact is that Ellen Road sold out yesterday for the first time in 6 years not because it was Leeds, because Leeds had been in the Doldrums, it was because <laughs> it was Newcastle coming to town. So I think that Benitez is probably beginning to get it in terms of what it means to the town and what it means, you know, I'm guessing if he ever does go out for a meal um, in, in town, he's, he'll be mobbed. Uh, and, and that will be very similar to Liverpool. I think where it's, where, down in London, and Chelsea, you get lost. You're in you're in the capital. There's lots of other Premier League clubs. There's, there's no real. You can you can walk around. You can walk around London as a Premier League footballer um, and pretty much be left alone. That's not going to happen to either a manager or or a player. Um, and I and I think that's part of it. You've got to get the identity. At the moment, all you really need to do is get results. If you play well, that's great. On yesterday's first goal, I could have scored. <laughs> uh, but, but, and, and the match was pretty even Steven at that point but that's what happens when you've got a, a really, really good unit That and maybe, they're, maybe they're not playing and I know two six nils or whatever already you might say it is brilliantly attacking but it probably isn't he's a, he's a pragmatic coach he, he, yes. he does it from the back first yeah. and if you can get the results and the base and this is also, remember this is laying the foundations for next season which will probably, well should I'm sure will, be back in the Premier League
0: it's Janine's writing. She was like, I've, I've always thought we've never tried to build from the back, Neil and that's the thing, isn't it? He's going to be it. setting us up
1: I think absolutely and I think if you, if you talk to um, people like Steve Hastie who's going to come on later he, he spent a little bit of time in Rafa's company recently listening post-game and for every bit of praise Rafa gave someone there was also um, something that could have done better um, oh yes, he was great for 20 minutes, but what about the, rest, the, the remaining 70? Oh, he, he, he was great in that situation, but he could have done that better. He could have done that better. Um, what I'm told why Mbembe seems to not be getting a look in is that he doesn't always listen to the instructions about where he should be on the pitch, and 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 he he wants his centre backs to do certain things in certain ways, and it's all about creating stability. I think it was interesting, his team selection yesterday, mm. he went with uh, you know, Gail Perez and Colbach, and he was saying, well, I've had these three guys all through the international break, they've been working with me, and he's obviously been working on something with them, and you can and, and see what he, 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 he wants to do, he wants them to, to, to play a certain way, and have that stability and that ability to, we've dug results out, we weren't particularly spectacular at Rotherham, for example, but we've dug a result out and that's that's all we've got to do and and, and now it's shown, you look at that league table and those three points yesterday put we in such a healthy position now but we we, we also know and Rafa's the first to say we can't rest on any laurels here, we've just got to keep going, keep going, keep going Um, and and, and that's it's a refreshing change Yeah, but
0: it's interesting wasn't it Janine, the one thing I picked up on is when um, I think Isaac Hayden uh, when, when went away on international duty with the under-21s, um, the one thing that the coaches said that they've noticed a change in him, that he's more organised and he seems to have better control on the pitch. And obviously that's with you know, the, 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 the way that Rafa's got him working as a defender. Yeah, I, I saw
2: that article too. And, and I, think, I think you're right. We're well, going back to that Rotherham match. Mm. Um, that was when Atsu scored a great goal, and I thought, Ooh, blimey, you know, he he needs to finally do start doing something. Being on loan, and and Perez was on was actually in the team, and uh, and I thought, well, hey, hang on a minute, has he, has he gone off the boil? And, <laughs> well, if, if if he was just a touch cocky, or he's a touch this or that, then then Benitez will just drop him. That, no, mm. there will be no, there will only be one one boss in that dressing mm. room. He won't be he won't be talking to his players particularly in, as pals. He will be the boss. Um, and and he and he's got those players playing. I mean, Kieran Clark again. He bought Kieran Clark. Mm. Kieran Clark was a real steady Eddie at Villa, but but also tainted with with the fact that Villa have been bad and he's been in, in a bad team. Um, he's he's got him going. He, it, it's very easy. Shelby. I mean, Shelby could have really mm. he could have jumped ship in the summer and, because he did he didn't do it like he should have done. Now it appears that he plays every game pretty much. Mm. So. Yeah. Um, he he gets hold of personalities who've maybe struggled, and somehow he instills a belief in them. I think he's probably quite humourless on the on, on the training ground. I think he could be quite boring, and that he'll do drill after drill after drill. Um, and you either have to uh, have to go with it and believe in in the project, um, or he'll have you out like like a shot.
0: Yeah, I think when you when we look at um, obviously Shelby's on a charge at the moment, isn't he as well? And uh, the one thing I was going to ask you, Jenny, when when you saw the. Headline this week, and obviously, it's interesting that the story that came out about um, Dwight Gale losing four teeth mm. in altercation with Jam- Jamel Lasalle's uh, birthday party, isn't it? It's, it's amazing, isn't it? If this, if Newcastle had been in the Premier League, that would have been everywhere. Every single paper would have carried that story. And because I think when the Championship, there was less heat on it, and that, it it got yeah. mentioned once, didn't it? Yesterday, but even then, it was. They didn't want to go and talk about it too much, did they?
2: No. Well, in fact, it's funny. I didn't know about it until yesterday. It just actually goes to to prove your point. Um, And you're right. I mean, I'm obviously working in the Midlands where um, a lot of the clubs have gone down. And I I went to Villa two weeks ago and saw Steve Bruce, who I obviously knew from when he was at Birmingham. Mm -hmm. And and, and he said, oh, he looked round at this virtually empty press room. Mm -hmm and um and and so you can, I can tell I'm not in the Premier League anymore. No one comes to my press conferences now again, in your neck of woods, that'd be wrong. You've got a very, very, very strong local newspapers so um and and therefore you're, you' know there will still be great media interest in the North, but you step out of the North and quite frankly, no one you know it's Newcastle who until you go back up again um and then it will be Aston Villa who or it will be you know q p r who um and and it, it takes a lot to adjust. And you're right. I mean, I, I was—I I became aware of that story yesterday, funnily enough. Um, and first of all, I thought, well, if he really was boasting about how much he earned, then he deserved a slap. Um, yeah. so you, you don't do that in an, in an area where, you know, the average wage is, is, is a tiny percentage of what he gets. Um, and even if he has scored 13 goals, he deserves a slap. Um, but, you're, but you're right. No one cares because it's a championship. Um, mm. and, and actually, I think that's good. Because I think that there's been, that there's been a very much a national focus um, on this, the crisis area because obviously we know it's Sunderland as well. Um, mm. and, and now you can just get on with it. No one will take a blind bit of notice to you unless you get to Wembley twice and, 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 then, you, and then you get promoted automatically. And then everyone will be writing about you again.
0: Talking about players getting off off their heads, Mr Rooney. Now, yeah. I, I found that one really, really interesting on lots of levels. And I'm not going to name the journalists on it because they've obviously been talking to Gary Lineker regarding what should come out and what shouldn't come out. But it's a, such a parallel universe that two guys go to a strip club and they do, both don't drink; they drink water, and their their friends are with them, and it's 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 not heard about at all. Wayne Rooney gets done for off not doing anything really; just he was drunk, he was. He was asleep, obviously, by the looks of it, in most of the pictures. And he gets hammered. And he has to go out and make a public statement of apology. Now, I've got my feelings on that one. But what do you think on that? Because I, I, just, I saw a lot of the journalists trying to get on the high horse saying, well, he's the England captain. He, blah, blah, blah. He shouldn't, be, he shouldn't be this. He shouldn't be doing that. And it's, you know we're talking about one of the best strikers I've ever had, who's put his body on the line to play for England at every step, who's obviously lost the step... When it comes to football now, but that's football. It happens. Mm. But tell me, what, tell me what you think about it because it's such a an, a big story, but in lots of respect, a, a really annoying story as well.
2: Yeah, I, I mean it's, it, it's a difficult one. I've, in my very brief and few dealings with Wayne Rooney, I thought he's an absolute gentleman. Um, I think that he he stepped he has stepped up at Man United to take flak on behalf of teammates who should have taken it in the la- in the last few years. He's often the one that speaks um, after, in, back in, in the European matches. Um, he was the one who would stay. He's taken on a lot of responsibility as, as England captain. Um, he's taken a lot of stick. I think some of it deserved for um, his performances, which is fine. I think that's fair play. If, if you're not playing well, then, then you can be criticised. Um, I think he made one huge mistake uh, last week. Uh, no, he stayed in the hotel, so that should have been in private. And there was a whole area of the hotel where the public couldn 't go the minute that he put himself into a position whereby he was with members of the public who were going to take pictures now i mean i don 't know about you, but you can easily you can actually look completely paralytic when you 're not because it 's a bad picture yeah. can 't you um, yeah. but 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 he, he had he had been drinking he should probably have not been drinking it. Yes, the furore was way, way way too much um, and the whole thing I, I, I think it should have just been. Um, you know, one statement saying that he was in that area and he's sorry, uh, um, and that was it. But, yeah, the, going on to the other two, the two, the two that were down, went down to the strip club oh. in, in Bournemouth. Mm. Again, um, you know, uh, Jordan Henderson is a teetotaler. Yeah. Adam Lalana I think, had, was quoted as having a sip of beer. Yeah. Uh, Adam Lalana lives down there. So it wasn't that they drove down to Bournemouth so they mm. actually were, and they had the week to have the day off. Um, and I don't think that was, I thought that was pretty un- inconsequential too. Um, we live in a horrible era now where everybody just takes photographs of famous people and and sell stories on them. Uh, and the problem is Wayne Rooney is a name, so Wayne Rooney will always end up being on someone's front page. Uh, I, personally, I, I personally think he won't be that bothered now. Um, he'll shake it all off. He's got a much, much bigger battle, and that's to try and persuade Jose Mourinho that he can get into Man United first team.
0: It was interesting what Rio said, wasn't it? He said when you look at all the other, the top name players, the the only focus is top like top line football. That's that they wouldn't they don't get involved in any of these things. Um I thought that was a bit of I thought it was a bit of a throwaway remark as well. I, I thought, well, yes, Wayne made a made an error by going and having a few drinks and in, in line of the public. But nobody knows if Messi and Neymar... Go out with their pals um, for a few drinks of sips of wine, and but you know, I was probably the only way I get it real at that is that he probably would have, they would have um, probably gone somewhere somewhere a bit more private. But the, the, what Wayne come out with and said, well, you know, you know, what I'm going to do. I might just stay away from the public. Mm. I might just decide, you know, do the the meet and greets and the signing. But when it comes to things, when it, it you know, to me, it's human. It's it's just human, isn't it? When you, you meet some people and you think, Oh, not bad not bad folk and you, you talk to them, you get to know each other and it mayn't even it mayn't even be in a talk about football Janine, couldn't it? It could be anything.
2: Of course, of course. And the thing the thing is I I no I don't think you have got Larry. When when you think of days gone by when lots of players, you know, they they went out and did things together and and, and got all the worst sorts of headlines and we're, and we're not we're not comparing them with that. The problem mm. is it was the England captain in a public place. Uh and Even if he was on a day off, and he's completely and utterly... No, I I mean, I I do know players. I've I've been in social situations with players where drink has has been taken and there hasn't been anybody sober in the room, but neither has there been a member of the public. It's been a private party or a private occasion or a function where that happens. Um, And I've also been at at functions, um, certainly when I was covering Wales, Uh, There was one memorable one where where there was a Wales player of the year, and um, and, and a lot of the Wales players at the time were were, were there at the dinner. It was part and parcel. They were ordered to be there, and they put two players on each table. So the sponsors and what have you had a proper international at their table, and they were told they could have a few drinks if they liked. And um, out of all the players I turned around, nearly everybody went for water, except for one who went for wine. And they'd drunk a bottle of wine by the time the first course was. Now I won't say who it is because it's, it's not there, and it never came out. And and in the end, he was just just ushered quietly away. Um, and and, you know, and and the sponsors kept quiet. That was before camera phones and selfies.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and
2: and it didn't come come out as such because there was nothing to come out. Because you know it, it was a picture that made that story. Sadly. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah. True. Um,
2: yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but I, 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 do hope, I do hope we begin to appreciate what a brilliant, brilliant service, servant Wayne Rooney has been, um, both to his clubs, uh, which p- most people aren't interested in if they're not Man United or Everton fans, but also to his country.
0: Exactly. What do you think, Neil? I, I must be—I was, I was raging myself. But what about you? What do you think? Because makes that, a great I, point, doesn't a
1: great point about um, the fact that. These days, there's a device, every device has a camera on it. Um, I think the statistics are something like in the last three years, we've taken more photographs than the entire rest of history put together. That's where you're at now. And, and so these guys, I think, and you've heard me rant on here about this more often, Andrew, you know my feeling about mm-hmm. the lack of pastoral care for footballers and and you need to look after footballers at all levels and install and install certain things in the of young age about responsibility to themselves more than anything else and trying to handle certain things in media but Ginny's quite right, you you kinda get away from it. And and it doesn't, it's not just an English thing, mate. I can I can quote you instances out here. There's three players in the UAE national team were banned for making comments about the coach that got out via a YouTube video and there was another <laughs> Another two players banned from one of the big clubs over here because they were caught smoking shisha the night before a game. There's an Iranian footballer who was banned for six months because there was a photo appeared of him wearing SpongeBob trousers and they thought it was culturally inappropriate. <laughs> you know, it, it 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 where does it go and where does it end? It, it, it's sort of all over the place, isn't it? You know? Um, and and so they've got to be. Yeah, it's true, mate. It, 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 uh, what would he call it? Makani, um, someone like Sosha Makani, who's a goalkeeper, um, and, and he, there's a picture of him wearing like this blue shirt and these yellow SpongeBob trousers and these wacky shoes. I mean, he looks like a bloody clown, to be fair. Um, but it, it, because of the Iranian National Federations, I think they've got a morality committee or something like that, and they sort of suspended him for six months from playing for the national team. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it, it's quite bizarre, but. You know, this again, he, he was pictured with a fan. The yeah. fan stopped and asked him for a picture.
3: Mm.
1: And so that picture then d- damned him for six months of his, of his international career. He'd probably never play for his national team again. All over a pair of bloody trousers on social media. It, it, it's crazy. Is the, you, the, the, yeah. the, the guy, for all they can do, do so much to help themselves, sometimes they're still going to find ways to get themselves into bother just by having a, a photo taken in an inappropriate or in an opportune moment.
0: What, was that, Jeanine, what does that say about um, a strong management? Because obviously Gareth Southgate is going to be the new England manager um, and he saw Wayne that evening. Um, the reaction of it, what happened, it should, I'm, I'm not going to say that big Sam would have done anything different, but... Does it does it show that the FA because they're in disarray with after what happened to to Big Sam, um they probably turned around to win and said, Listen, you're gonna to have to apologize
2: Yeah, I mean, there's been mixed messages about that today. It was um the, the message that's come through, um certainly that I've 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 gleaned, is that what um what he was apologizing for were the images um of him yeah. rather than actually being out drinking. Um, which is which is which has become a bit ridiculous with image and 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 what have you. Um, Gareth Southgate, uh, I mean, he he would have needed that like a hole in the head. Um, but but I actually think Gareth Southgate, in 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 his own way, he's a he is a very very strong character, and I think he will. Um, I think he's a good man manager. I mean, Big Sam is an old fashioned guy. You know, he clip you across the ear, and that and 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 that would be it. And he wouldn't necessarily. Have empathy with some with some of the players. I, th- I think that Gareth Southgate, once he calmed down, I think he would he would handle Wayne Rooney well. Um, I think he will. it would be interesting in his interview. I'd like to be a fly on the wall in his interview with the FA because I suspect an awful lot of what's gone on in the last sort of ten days, two weeks. Um, he he will have had to talk about you know, how he would have handled it. So he's been, it's been difficult when you're the interim or the part time or mm-hmm. the temporary manager because you can't do it as if you were the, were the manager. Uh, but but I, I think he's a strong person. Whether he be, he's the best manager to be England manager, I I don't know. Uh, he's certainly probably the, the best qualified available person.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, but I think when I heard, I remember when I heard the news that the obviously Big Simon had been sacked. Which to me was the most inexplicable thing the FA have ever done in their, in their lives, considering that the FA, and I still think to this to this day. They haven't been given any information by um, the Telegraph, who obviously gotcha journalism, uh, who got him. But maybe uh, somewhere along the line, I think that the FA, when they took Big Sam on, there may have been a realisation that he wasn't the guy they wanted. And that's why they acted so quickly um, with the gotcha journalism to to more or less say, listen, no, this is not going to happen. We can't go forward with this. Uh, it, it just comes across that they really jumped ahead of it, especially every single person that's been uh, linked with this case. And, you know, at first it came out, didn't it, that there's eight Premier League managers that were linked to this. And The Telegraph haven't, haven't really come out and said, OK, they haven't expanded on on, what's, on what the actual case, you know, the, the, the names who were involved in all this. Well, I, I think
2: what's probably happened was that the FA panicked um, and when they, when they saw the first story and, and they, had the, you know, they had the meeting and I think they were afraid that if they then came out and said, yes, we support Big Sam, that something else would come out the next day and yeah. make them look silly. Um, and uh, these days, the, the, the moral platform on which the, the, uh, the manager is expected to stand is, is quite ridiculous. You know, he might as well put a stick of halo on his head. And, yeah. and they, can't, they just cannot be seen to be doing or condoning anything. And the thing, the thing is that although, although he didn't do anything wrong, he did say he knew how to do something wrong if anyone wanted to ask him. Um, and yeah, I quite like Big Sam to be honest, and 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 he's a bit of a character. Um, again, I've no idea what he would have been like as an England manager, but he he would have been quite fun. Um, he certainly has a lot of friends in the media, and he will be back. Uh, but I think I think any any England manager now will have to be under is under such 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 scrutiny that they've got to be completely and utterly squeaky clean. And, and I suspect Gareth Southgate is squeaky clean.
0: I think the one thing I noticed about um, even when he's being linked with the job, I, I think I think it's quite hard to um, the fact that he didn't he, he said he didn't want it. And there was nobody really that you could bring in, apart from this Ralph guy, this German fella, um, who's been linked with the the post. But the, the the trouble is, I I did I don't know if you saw the um, Ian Holloway uh, reaction um, when he talked about Gareth Southgate in England. It was proper <laughs> proper good stuff. It got got me going. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, I, I have, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Yet. I shall catch up
2: with it a bit later but um yeah i i mean, gareth southgate um i i i i think the reason he didn't he said he didn't want it in the summer was because it was on the back of obviously a very very disastrous uh, tournament for england um and i think he thought that it it wasn't going to be um he, he wasn't sure whether it was going to be a year or whatever and it was it was it, or whether he just be he would just be filling in until they got somebody um, and I think he thinks that the, that the situation has now changed, that it will now be a slightly longer-term deal. What he didn't want, was he didn't want, because the names are being banned about, I think what he didn't want was, you know, look after it for a year and then somebody else come in. Um, you know, he knows, well, and things that he's under 21s as well, that mm. needs to be sorted. So he, he does need to get things sorted. Um, and I suspect he will be the next England manager, and I wish him all the best.
0: Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting... Season as they were with football, but thanks so much coming on, Jeanine. It's been a tremendous having you on, and I'll uh, I'll be in touch again to have you back on. But thanks very much for this evening. It's oh, been an absolute right, pleasure. My
3: pleasure. Bye. Thanks
0: a lot. Bye bye. Yeah. Wonderful, isn't it, Jeanine? I love having her on. It's just it's like she's fresh as a daisy. It's wonderful, isn't it? Brilliant.
3: Mm. Oh yeah.
0: Uh, but uh, I'm going to bring in my next guest of this evening. this evening, it's uh, it's Ladies' Night on you on dot .co.uk. Uh, it's Alison Bender. I'll give her a full title. Uh, it's football host, presenter, reporter ESPN, uh, obviously work with Real Madrid and Chelsea FC, and she pops up on other channels too, Ambassador Poulsen and oh. Beyond at <laughs> alisonbender.com. <laughs> That's the one.
3: <laughs> How are you
2: doing, guys? Hi. No,
0: I'm too bad. How are you?
2: Yeah, very good. Thanks. Very good.
0: Good, good. We were just talking. We were just talking about um, probably the one question I was going to give to you before um, uh, when I was uh, send you a message. But we were just talking about with Janine with regards to like, Wayne Rooney. Uh, obviously, what's mm. your thoughts on that before we get to Newcastle? But it was oh, definitely dear. been a strange situation, isn't it? Really, it Crazy. has.
4: I was hoping that I wouldn't have to talk about that situation <laughs> again. Actually, it was funny. I had a ta- I had a chat with John Hutchison. The other day uh, on camera, and he rolled his eyes. And I think a lot of the journalists, a lot of uh, former pros as well, think that uh, you know a lot of a big, uh, too much of a big deal has been made of it. Uh, It's a difficult one, isn't it? A modern era footballer, they have to look after themselves. They've got to be role models. I think the sad thing is, as journalists, we always say we want footballers to talk to us. We want them Mm -hmm. to give us good quotes. You know, the fans as well want them to engage. And, And really. The thing that, Je- that Wayne did wrong, um, as Janine said earlier, is basically going into the public domain, into an area, and allowing himself to be photographed uh, with fans, which you know is sad, really, because that's what fans want. Uh, you know, do they want players like Rooney to turn around and say, I'm sorry, I can't have my photo taken with you um, because of what's happened in the past? And, and, and footballers down the line will start behaving like that, to be honest, if they're always being scrutinised like this. I mean, I'm not saying Rooney's completely faultless, of course, mm-hmm when you're professional you know you probably really shouldn't be drinking you know obviously the the lana and henderson's trip club as well uh thing that's come out in the papers i mean to be honest when i read stuff like this i kind of i do roll my eyes a bit and move on i i am not interested in it to be honest um unless of course it has a a direct impact on the football that they're playing obviously if it's a football that plays my club and he's doing that um, and turning up for training, you know, in a in a state, um, it's a different mm. it's a different scenario. But he obviously knew he was going to be um, on the bench. He, he was doing this in his time off, so it's a it's a tricky one. I don't think, I mean, there was this hoo-ha about him losing the captaincy over it. Um, you know, I think obviously Gareth Saskate will have a chat with Wayne Rooney, and I think they'll move on. And I, I, Janine said it earlier, and I totally agree with her. I think that Rooney himself would actually bat it off. I don't think this is something that's going to be deeply
0: upsetting for him as other things other revelations about his private life have been in the past Yeah, it's, it's to me it's just ridiculous it's like you know it gets me it gets me annoyed just thinking about it but what's been your thoughts on um the Newcastle situation do you, actually it's interesting actually you were speaking to don we've we actually used to me and i think neil used to talk to, to don on twitter to try obviously get him on the show but he yeah. didn't like the fact that <laughs> He didn't like the fact that we didn't we didn't think much of Alan Pardew, and uh, oh. he blocked us on Twitter. So I can't. <laughs> I, I can really. I, really
3: I, yeah. Really. I'll, I'll have a chat with Don. I mean, Don have a just, chat with him too. Don's
4: a great guy. The funny thing about Don as well is obviously you know having played for Sunderland but loving mm. Newcastle. Uh, you know he's uh, he has a lot of abuse I think on on Twitter mm. from various sets of fans for what he says that he's incredibly outspoken and he's brilliant because he's played for so many clubs. It's it's fantastic to work with him because I get such a a great insight into so many clubs. Um, But yeah, uh, what what was your original question? I've forgotten already. Oh yeah, no, he blocked.
0: We're going to have him on a guest on the show, and. uh, Don. The thing about Don, I'm from Gateshead, and Don's from Gateshead.
4: He's from Gateshead,
0: exactly. Yes, yeah. exactly. So I started to talk to him just on that basis, because it's always nice. And I, I, I had a, I was, we were back and forth, and we we're just talking about the fact that his accents changed. Mine hasn't. Well, mine changed a little oh, bit. Oh, really? Yeah. So his accent's completely changed. and It was interesting when I saw you talking to him when you, you were walking, I think, uh, to Tottenham's ground.
3: That's right. That's right. Which
0: is, I, honest God, Alison. That's a nightmare to get to that ground. I can't understand, and with the, new, with the new stadium being built, I don't know what Don thought about it, but it takes, well, Neil might know, it takes nearly 20 minutes, 25 minutes to get there, 30 this minutes to walk.
1: Fair, fair old hike seven from Seven Sisters, I
0: Yeah. Guess right. So, so to me, it's to like up. you would have thought they would have built, if they're going to build a new stadium, why don't they build a stadium that you can get a tube to and save a lot of hassle for people... Like it's not even a, it's not even a nice walk, Alison. You've walked it. It's, not an, it's, it's a dump. It's,
4: it is. I, I wouldn't want to say it's not the most pleasant of areas. Let's just put it that way. They are regenerating, and I'm sure. I mean, I have to say, the stadium, the pictures of the stadium, the new stadium look mm. phenomenal. I mean, mm. they've rotated it, so um, you know it'll be in the same site but a different angle. But it looks like it might be one of the best stadiums in the Premier League to come. Uh, but it was funny, actually, because Don and I were having a chat, and we were sort of just chatting kind of off-camera, mm-hmm. thinking that they weren't filming us at the time. And they actually used that in the final edit, which was quite funny. And I turned to him, and I said, oh, you hated coming here, didn't you? And he said, actually, no, I loved it. It was, uh, you know, happy hunting round. I used to score here. And yeah, I he saw said, you know, that. they were kind of considered the, the – but the funny thing was, we didn't. that wasn't really – for television at all that was just us having a natter so um, I've learned the hard way you know <laughs> always <laughs> make sure what you say or, or, you know if you've got a microphone on it, be prepared for it to make the cut so can imagine uh, if yeah. you had said
0: can you imagine if you had said oh yeah I hate this <laughs> I, hate I know exactly
3: exactly <laughs> would
0: well, they have cut it so, it's interesting isn't it so that's yeah, the thing exactly. with media you have, you have to be on your toes and Absolutely. obviously talking talking about media obviously we are talking earlier but when it comes to the, the Rafa Benitez effect um, mm. Obviously, because I know you're meeting all these folks from the Premier League, uh, Newcastle, I I would suggest are a big, massive miss for the whole for the whole um, Premier League.
4: Huge, huge. I mean, I've been working for I've worked for various outlets over the years and freelance. Um, but when I worked for Premier League for six seasons, <coughs> you know, Top t- derby mm. was always absolutely massive. <coughs> Excuse me, I've got a sprug in my throat. One second. <coughs> okay. <coughs> just recovering from this cough that I think everyone's had. Um, and I think, you know, I, I willed Newcastle to, to stay up. So many people did. But I think in the end, it was the way that the club was being run at the time, so much was going wrong with the club.
3: Mm-hmm. It was
4: it was kind of inevitable. But it, it's amazing to see how well they've been doing. I mean, I've not been following the championship too closely, but right now I've got to start following Newcastle again because, you know, it <laughs> Only they can stop themselves, as, as I read in one article. I mean, they are absolutely cruising. I think Rafa Benitez is a phenomenal appointment. I've always actually had a lot of respect for him. I know that he um, he definitely divides fans and, and journalists. Um, but I think having come across him so many times in the past, obviously I worked at Chelsea TV for a few years. Yeah. And when he was there, what was that, 2012, 13 interim manager as he was and, and it the Chelsea fans were so cruel to him I mean you know <laughs> I'm sure you're aware of the name he was yeah. given the fat Spanish waiter and yeah. he was very aware of it you know the boos on the first time he came out of the tunnel I was actually there at the match and I just felt so uncomfortable I don't think I've ever felt so uncomfortable for a manager um in in the presence of, of the, their own fans yeah. um and you know even when in the Europa League they didn't care he was never liked there. Um, And obviously having been adored at Liverpool um, and having done so much in the past as well, when you look at what he did at Valencia and, you know, Real Madrid, he didn't have a particularly good time, but obviously he was back there in the past as well. We had conversations about that as well, because I used to work for Real Madrid back in the day. And so we had a chat about life in Madrid and I always found him, you know, not only a charming man, but someone who is absolutely passionate about football. And I think, that's why he fits so well at Newcastle, because the, the passion of the Newcastle fans, he gets it. He, he understands that it is more than a club. Um, it's a religion, basically, um, you know, up there. And I, I think that's part of why he's been so successful so far. I don't know if you agree.
0: Yeah, he, he's, I think for us, because it, I think when it comes to... We've had so many bad managers. It's like, <laughs> you know, we, we, the thing is, we always get tainted and probably... Neil will come in a minute. When it comes to, we're always tainted with the fact, well, the only manager we want is a Geordie manager. Uh, that seems to be the one thing that people uh, throw at us all the time. Of Well, if we don't have a Geordie manager, uh, that means we don't want success. And all we want, all we want is a good manager. <laughs> you know, and we, never, we haven't had one since Bobby left. So, in that, and I include uh, Souness and in, in this, Pardew, John Carver, McLaren especially. So, you know, it's, it's you know the difference is, um, I can imagine when um, uh, Benitez took the job, you can. I, and I don't know this for sure, but you can imagine when it came to come, for the renegotiation to come back, that I, I I probably think well if we don't get if we don't get, uh, Charney would have said to 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 Mr Ashley, listen, if we if we, if we don't if we don't let give him complete control, I'm going to resign as well, and I would I would think that's it that's how because they seem to get on well. Um, yeah. I think that's the only reason that we've still still got him, we still got him as, uh, as the manager of Newcastle.
4: Yeah, I, I think you're right. The, the thing about complete control, um, I think you do need a manager who has complete control in, in that situation. Um, and, you know, it seems that he was able to get rid of some of the deadwood. Uh, he had the ego, he had the experience to be able to do that and you know i guess it was a bit of a gamble some of the players he brought in um actually a couple of the articles i was reading were kind of saying you know has he just brought in people for the for the here and now just to kind mm. of uh you know help newcastle get back into the premier league but then um i read a really good one it was probably the chronicle i can't remember where i saw mm. it but they were going through the ages of the players that he'd signed and i think of the 11 uh players plus Christian Atsu, um, you know, on loan with a permanent clause. Um, I think just two of them were sort of 33, 31, and the rest were, you know, sort of young, sort of in their sort of late 20s and early 30s. So perhaps he is building for the future. Um, you know, maybe maybe he, you know, he he's kind of seen this as a a job that uh, is not just a stopgap job. In mean, fact, that's actually the stopgap thing he, he spoke about when he was signing players, didn't he? And he said. You know, this is, this is Newcastle. You've got, you've got to have players that want to play for this club. I'm not just taking someone who's just going to, you know, be happy to, to sort of take a, a big salary. Um, and from everything that I'm reading, he's already targeting people for January, even though you've mm-hmm. got, it seems, a couple of people for every single position, which probably hasn't happened for, for many, many years, has it?
0: Yeah. Neil, what, what's your thoughts on what Arsene said there?
1: Well, I think he, he's brought a mix and a blend in. And she's and quite right. It's a long time since we've had the depth of squad. And I think if you look at the championship, that's one of the things that's going to be a difference maker. Once Christmas comes round and the new year comes round and the fixtures are coming thick and fast and suspensions are starting to affect clubs. Um, I was talking to a good friend over here this morning, funny enough, he was a Brighton fan. And he was saying, what did them towards the end of last season was they simply ran out of players when they got to the playoffs, they had four or five injuries and the squad wasn't able to cope. And they didn't, apparently for one of the playoff games, they didn't even have a full bench. And so that's obviously something that Benitez has identified. Look, this is a long, hard season. I want cover in every position. I want some depth. I want people, a mix of people who are hungry, people who mm. know the division and we've got all that, you know? Um, mm. And I think it's, it's it's probably, for me, I think it's... A, it, it, there's a little bit of here and now going on. Signings like Murphy, um, mm. somebody, i mean—he's barely had any playing time, but he knows the division. He's brought in for, for a reason. Richie, who knows the division, but is clearly Premiership quality. You know, there, there, there's a bit of balance there. And then we've got some young, hungry ones who mm. seem keen to make their name. But the, interestingly, like if you take someone like Hayden, had a chat season in the Championship with Hull, so he knows what the division's all about. But he's still young enough and hungry enough, and it, and it is a—it's um, an interesting blend he's gone for, um, and I think it's all about having that strength and depth to cope with—you know—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a lot of games. There's a lot of um, potential for suspension injury and more, and I think um, I think that is that is one of the big difference makers that we have.
0: It's interesting, isn't it, that the the depth the depth we've got now, Alison, isn't it? It's like the, the names that um, Neil just said there, it's it's something that we've never had before. At any time, apart from when Sir Bobby was there, I would suggest that we've got players coming through that he can mix and match, and he's got them all um, making them fight. I mean, I mean, yes. fight for their players.
4: Absolutely. I mean, that, that depth is so important, uh, and the competition for places, like you say. And um, one of the one of the things that impressed me actually was um, Dwight Gale, and I, I know we've been speaking <laughs> about him for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> Um, but actually, I like I like the way that Rafa actually came out and said to him, "Listen, you know, if you go out and play and have a game of your life, no one's going to be talking about the mm. the incident and the teeth and all the rest of it." And and it's true. Although the funny thing is, everyone is talking about it now because they have to kind of back up that with that story. Um, mm. But it was kind of you know a buried story really before, wasn't it? But Dwight Gayle, I remember interviewing him a few years ago when he was playing for Palace and he'd scored a goal. Mm. And, I do. I mean, I do a lot of these post-match interviews with players and, you know, I'm used to big name personalities and quite confident lads who mm. know exactly what to say to the camera. And I was really shocked when I spoke to him, when I interviewed him, because he was so shy. He looked like he didn't want to be on camera at all. Absolutely hated the interview. And at the end of it, I sort of said to him, are you okay? And he said, you know, I just, I just don't like doing media. This is a, a while back now. But he said, I just don't enjoy it. It's not for me. And I can understand that. I mean, players don't ask for that. It's obviously it's part of their job and they have to do it. And I, I joked with him. I said, well, well, you better get used to it because you look like a decent scorer and you're going to be scoring a lot of goals and people want to speak to the goal scorers. But um, I can imagine that Benitez would get someone like like him and really instill confidence in him because, you know, you, you want to know that your manager has worked with some of the best as well, um, and that can bring, you know, confidence into you as well. So I, I can see Rafa being so good at that, that the man management side of things. It's funny, though. Some people just don't see that side of him at all, and I think that they don't they don't think he is very uh, very good people person necessarily. But um, I would disagree with that personally. I, I like the way that he deals with people and, you know, leads by example as well of what he's done in the past and his great CV.
0: Well, it's like being on. It's like being on radio. Once, yeah. once you do it every week, become an absolute star. Like you've been, you know, you're you're on TV, so you become confident. It wouldn't take too much for it for these, because these guys have probably got, you know, I'm sure Newcastle have got these PR department where they can sit down and talk to them about anything and everything. And the fact that I think he was in such a, a small club that is Crystal Palace, and I think any intrusion into the the, the wherewithal with regard to that, you can imagine him obviously being standoffish because they're not used to it. Are they? They're not used to it. the glare of... Um, mm. of because bi- they're not a big team. They never, never will be. Like, you know, we had, the, we had a guy who thought he was too big for Newcastle in his own mind, and he's gone back to Crystal Palace. And even if they lost... Well, they've lost five in a row, haven't they? Under Pardew now, six in a row, yeah, whatever it is. He won't, get, he, he, he won't get such a, a hard time. But up here... Oh, we, yeah. have, we lost, we lost yeah. so many games. You
4: can't we, hide, it, it, can you, when you're a Newcastle yeah. player? You, you, got, you guys must know that more than anyone. <laughs> <there's lots.
0: laughs> Neil?
1: Equally though, Andrew, we, we were vilified as fans for pointing mm. out what the Crystal Palace fans are pointing out about Pardew now. Mm. And Pardew doesn't have the, I didn't buy these players, these players were bought for me, mm. to hide behind either. Um, as I've said to you plenty of times before, mm-hmm. now I trust a man who walks around with his nickname on his training kit. And that's <laughs> the, that's the diff- differentiator <laughs> for me. If it, you're talking about man management skills. Part of Pods, pods spends his time trying to buddy up to the players. Whereas I'm quite sure Rafa Benitez, uh, it's, it's not about people management skills. You're managing footballers and they're different beasts. Because it's it's a totally different environment the the dressing room and I'm, I'm sure someone like Don Hutchinson would 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 say that and 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 you've got to work out which players need it I'm sure it was it was either Paisley or Shankley who talked about players needing either a kick or a cuddle and you've got to mm. work out who who needs the boot up the backside and who needs yeah. the arm around the shoulder
0: you must and have someone yeah. Like yeah
1: someone like Dwight Gale who's you know it does seem to be more shy in nature you stick mm. him in front of a camera um he's it's it's not his natural environment, and he's mm. probably outside of his comfort zone. It's mm. all right for gobshites like us who can sit and talk and talk and talk <laughs> and talk and talk. Um, that's fine, you know. It, it it people over here are still, you know, remark when I'm given a microphone in certain situations, I'll just start talking, and that's it, mm. and I'm off. And and they've actually got to shut us up. Um, it, that's fine if it's in your skill set and if it's in your comfort zone. But that's not what they're, they're actually they're paid to do. However, it's something that does go with the territory, and sometimes they need protecting from themselves, as we've seen with the mm. photographs and things like that. Um, and sometimes they need help to actually um, articulate. It, it's why when you, it, it's something that American sports do exceptionally well. Is that mm. they have their the star players able to give interviews without you know being every every other word. Um, mm. But it's it, it it it's it's very. That's a, a well-oiled and slick, and goes back because media and, and, and the sports have always been intertwined in a specific way. Very different in the world of football. Uh,
0: what, what did you think? Um, it's, you've probably interviewed uh, Mr. Al- Alan Padilla a fair few times, um, Alison, and mm. it's it's interesting, isn't it, when you his persona up here compared to the persona down there. He's, yeah. like, you know, I think Neil, <laughs> he's been his body about the pod thing, guys. you know.
3: Yeah,
4: it's funny actually because um, he has, uh, amongst media, amongst fans as well, he, he definitely divides opinion. There's a lot of people that think that he's uh, a little bit, what's the word that it's often, kind of like arrogant, braggy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the weird thing is, I, I mean, I always say, I would take people as I found, find them. Yeah. And every time I go down the training ground to interview a player, in general, a manager would never come up to me, never really talk to me. Um, they just go about their business and I'm just yeah. there. And would always come up to me and actually engage, you know, oh, who are you here to interview? And then give me a little bit of information on them, which is oh, so good. brilliant and helpful yeah. as a journalist. So I've always found him, you know, absolutely great. Um, and I've not really seen that other side of him as much in my own personal experience, though so I can, you know, I've heard stories, I've heard the journalists tell me certain things. So, you know, I, I try and kind of see it with a balanced view. And, and I suppose I also try and think, how would the players see him as well? Because that's, at the end of the day, what's important. I mean, it doesn't really matter what uh, we what think of him, does it? Um, but, it, but it, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I always, I take on board all these stories and they go into my database, sure. <laughs> But to me, he's always been, you know, completely charming, but... Um, yeah I've obviously not rubbed him up
0: the wrong way though most yeah, he's time, probably though saw though your though picture Alison he's, he's he's in front of you thinking oh god I need to talk to her but like <laughs> sorry, sorry it might be sounding a bit sexist <laughs> but, you know you've come
5: there Andrew you <laughs> I,
0: I had to do it. To in way, way, have you uh, hey, have you an- seen an- them an- blue an- eyes have you seen the bloody hell I have to say the make department
3: do a
4: great job on
3: me in the flesh I'm not
0: quite as impressive as I am in those Twitter pictures I'm allowed to do it you know, when you come up here, you'll see my b- baby browns, yeah. and then you can see for yourself how wonderful I am, too. <laughs> but, I, like, um...
1: I, Andrew, I've seen pods in action in a nightclub in Abu Dhabi, man. Yeah, me. Say that again? <laughs> I've seen pods in action in a nightclub in Abu, Abu Dhabi. Dhabi. Yeah. There
0: we'll oh, be yeah. a bit a massive that's, difference that's between... That's
1: story for another day, perhaps.
0: Yeah. That'd uh, be interesting, wouldn't it? Uh, so, uh, Alison, the difference between the two of them, it must be stark between Benitez and... Um, and uh, alan you is it when uh, have yeah, you found very
4: different managers they're very different managers with very different experiences actually i i just remembered one time um i was down at uh, watford and had an interview with uh, Kike sanchez flores who's mm. some who's a manager i actually uh, was very sad to hear that he was um you know given the sabre. terminated yeah yeah i mean I, I i don't think he was given enough respect actually for what he's. But the problem is with these european managers a lot of people in England don't quite appreciate mm. quite how well thought of they are. Um, not that it matters, but, you know, um, the pedigree uh, of this man. I mean, his, his godfather was the late Alfredo Di Stefano. Oh, I wow. mean, seriously, this guy, you know, he, he mingles in footballing circles that are just, you know, out of anyone's league. Um, I remember going to a press conference once, and it was me and one other person and a couple of local journalists. And I was thinking, you know, where is everyone? This is, you know, this is a, a great manager, and he's, he's got. And, and at the time, Watford were flying. Actually, it was um, Remember? it was the, the year that obviously Leicester won the Premier League, and both Watford and Leicester were the only teams in the whole of the division that were playing two up front, and yeah. um, and succeeding with it, and they were doing really really well at the time. But anyway, my story, I'm rambling, but my story was, um, <laughs> I spoke to <laughs> Santis Flores, I was thinking, why is he talking about this? And I said to him, over all the years, over, you know, all the people that you've worked with, who is a manager that impresses you the most? Who is a manager that you respect the most? And he said Rafa Benitez, which surprised me a little at the time, because not that that's not a name that would roll off everyone's tongue. It would be the Pep Guardiolas and the Sir Alex Bergens or the Jose Marias or whatever. But the fact that he said Benitez, and gave me a you know a, a good lot of reasons why he respected him so much and um yeah a, a lot of them were, were the things that we've been talking about now the, the man management the complete control the obsession with football that he has um and yeah i think when you've when you've managed on so many over so many years on so many different levels um you you do have a certain confidence a bit of a swagger and i think you know you basically know what you're doing he, and he can handle that i mean he he can handle the tough times. I mean, okay, if, if Newcastle go through a bad run, it looks like you're absolutely cruising. And I think um, if you win the next game in the Premier League, that's ten wins isn't it? Um, on the trot. Uh, well, it's nine successive wins in all competitions, isn't it? For the first time since Keegan. So yeah. you know things going well. But so I can't see things going too badly wrong. But if they do, Benitez will be the man who can take it on the chin because he's dealt with that. And you have to, you know, you have to judge a manager. Um, on
0: how they react when things go badly as well. Well, that's the thing, Alison, you said it perfectly there. You've got a guy whose obsession is football. Newcastle yeah. United fans' obsession is their football team. With Alan Pardew, it was never an obsession. He He always, it's probably the same with McLaren. You know, you've got to have clout, you've got to have that it factor. Every time Penites comes on TV, and Neil knows this more than anybody. As soon as anybody switches on, obviously Steve will come on later. But as soon as the TV goes on, the whole place shuts up, and they listen to what he says, because right. he 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 creates. He's been there, he's done it. He understands football. He understands Newcastle fans, in essence, because he had it with he had it with Liverpool, and Liverpool's very very similar uh, to Newcastle in a lot of a lot of respects. You know, but the only, only difference is we're the only team in Newcastle. There isn't any other team, so I think he gets it more than anybody else. And I think with, you know, when you don't have the control of everything, that's always going to be a problem with with uh, Newcastle, and we've we've very very rarely had it. And th- that's the thing now when you've got somebody that you know makes like it's It is interesting because you know that you have more people now. On um, as soon as on social media the team comes in, people are like, oh god, he's changed this, he's changed that, and that's the only time you get a reaction uh, to the tinkering, a bit like Ranieri, and um, that's why we like Benito because when he talks. I suppose like Ranieri, people listen because they have the, they have the passion for the football that other Newcastle managers haven't um, haven't been able to garner from Mike Ashley the fact that, you know, I want this, I want that, otherwise I won't take the job. That's the thing. They, they, they've they been so desperate <laughs> to just get in the job. They've gone in their head first without logically thinking it through about being a um, a person that can uh, take take control of a, a Geordie nation because it is a heartbeat. It's the only thing that people think about most of the time is, is Newcastle. And I think when... Even when I see interviews, like obviously when you talk to him, um, it sounds great that he talks to you like that because you know it's great for you, isn't it? You go in there, you, you know, 're going to be bits and pieces. You you, you you you've got a set plan, but at least if he gives you these little nuggets, it helps because he, he, but because it's the area. I think with Newcastle, even when you mention <laughs> Newcastle to him, he automatically has his guard up when he talks right. about it, and. Um, like when you've talked to him, what, uh, what did you have you mentioned Newcastle to him? Because every conversation he talks about Newcastle, it's the backlash is really bad up here.
4: Yeah, no, I mean obviously when I was down when I was down mm. at Palace, I was just talking to him about mm. um, the, you know the players that I was there to interview, and he would basically tell me um, sort of the little tidbit that I can sort of drop into the interview and that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I mean it's very clear that uh, he upset a few people in Newcastle and you know it, it's, it's good to see that the Newcastle fans are clearly behind Rafa Benitez mm. um almost exclusively I mean mm. it, it seems that every, everyone is on board it must be a, a very happy place because as you say there is only one team so it's like you know if you if you go out in Newcastle there's that there's that kind of feel good factor around the whole city when the football team are doing well right
0: oh yeah the whole it's you know it, it's that. You know, you go to Newcastle. It's it's always humming anyway. But um, you know, I w- I walk to New I'm at Newcastle every day, so um, there isn't normally in conversations you would have people say, oh this that this that this happened. Uh, you know, oh I'm fed up with him. I think uh, the fact that he's got all the players, like especially Shelby. I don't know what you think about Shelby, but when because he came to Newcastle, he was booed on the pitch when, when he was when he was being announced. Did you know that? Do you remember... It's unbelievable, but he was booed,
4: yeah. yeah that's, I mean, that's unfortunate, but that's, that's the best way to turn things around, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, putting some good performances, and you know, a bit like uh, when Benitez was booed at Chelsea, and you know, he's gone and won in the Europa League, mind you, <laughs> they were particularly thankful about that, so uh, you know, it's a funny one. But Which, um,
0: what's it been like in your out for him. yeah, exactly? When is, when it, when you started your journey of being a reporter. Um, w- obviously, being a, a a woman journalist in a predominantly female world, um, in a sorry male predominantly world, predominantly male world, <laughs> male world. Sorry, I got caught in my words. But like, um, what's uh, how was it for you? Um, is it was it obviously a lot of it? They always term the word banter, don't they? But um, yeah. what what what's what was it like? Is was it as hard of, hard as what you thought it would be, or it's been just a just to understand the everyday workings of, of media?
4: Do you know, it, it's a funny one. It, it comes up all the time nowadays and people ask about being a woman in football. I mean, it's, it's been a challenge. I'm not going to, to say mm. that it hasn't, but I, I kind of feel that everything comes with its challenges. And being female is something that I never really focused on too much. Um, I was just absolutely delighted with the job I was doing. You know, I felt so privileged to be my first job in football was at real madrid tv um in in the spanish capital which was just amazing my first interview with david beckham um everything just seemed to be it it was so ridiculous it was like i was living some kind of a dream so i never i never saw the negative in it i just worked extremely hard i think looking back on it now i can say there are certain things i did so i i didn't want to come across as particularly female bizarrely because i wanted to blend in so i suppose In the beginning, I think I, I, I tried to be as in the background as possible. I wouldn't wear anything that was would stand out to be very female or, you know, even though I'm actually on camera, so I actually have to look good or yeah. should look good. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of the time I, I tried not to really just because I didn't want people to sort of throw it in my face. So for me, it was all about working really hard, making sure I proved myself so people could understand that I loved football like they did. The reason I was in the game is because I enjoyed, you know, doing what I was doing. Um, And then, you know, there has been, like you say, the whole banter thing. Mm. The good thing is, I'm not easily offended. Um, The other good thing is, I have a dad, who is a complete lad, if I'm honest. Um, (laughs) You know, some of the stuff my dad says to me is like, absolutely shocking. So if anyone ever says things to me, I just kind of think, you know what, my dad would probably say that. Not that it makes it right, and, you know, I'm not going to say that for a second, but I just think sometimes you can take things a little bit too seriously and if you want to get offended then this is the wrong game to be in I mean it's it's so funny I always remember being up at Anfield and um, having Sammy Lee swearing in the dugout <laughs> behind me and he and he looked over and he just said oh I'm so sorry lass," or something like that mm. and I just turned around and laughed and I said don't worry about it, I work in football. Like, do you, you know, I, I've heard a lot worse, basically. Um, and I think that's something you just have to think about. And, and, you know, there have been things over the years that probably are inappropriate. I've mm. laughed them off, and I don't tend to tell many people about them because I just think um, it will only come back to bite me. I would rather just carry on with my way and, you know, um, don't get offended, basically. So yeah, i think the lucky.
0: Yeah, I think the one thing, I remember when the keys, the, the Andy Gray thing, yeah. and the keys came out, you were probably, obviously you were, you were in, that's, were you at Rima Madrid when that happened, when it came out? I
4: was, I believe actually, I'd done some work for Skyport myself, yeah, and right. I think I might have been working for Chelsea TV, and I'd come across Keys and Gray, and I know yeah. exactly what they're like, and they are oh. quite bantery like that, to be honest, I'm, not that I would suggest You know there are things that are a step too far that's absolutely sure um there are possibly things within my career if i look back at it that are are worse than some of the things that have come out to the papers for sure um but i just try not to i I, for me it's longevity that's important to me i want to be in this game for the rest of my life and i think if i start complaining about things um unless it's something that you know affects you directly or really affects me then that's the way I see it anyway, but everyone's different, and I don't want to be judgmental of, of, you know, other girls that might want to come out and say, this isn't right, and, you know, I'm kind of, I'm a member of a, a sort of a secret organization, you could say, <laughs> women in football, uh, and we talk about things that go on, and, you know, and I think it's really good, and it's healthy for women to be able to say, this isn't right, and I felt uncomfortable by this, but I'm quite happy to be someone who's, you know, I've been in the industry kind of 20 years now, and I'm mm. I can kind of be a bit of a mentor to some of the younger ones and say, look, you know, there is a line that shouldn't be crossed, but there's also things that you just have to let go if you want to just be in this industry. It's unfortunate, but that is the way it is, in my opinion. I've,
0: before, I've got Steve Hastie from Newcastle's Fans Form on the Line as well, Alison, but I was going to, before I get to, to, to Steve, the interesting thing I found is that when if, if you look at shows like Sky Sports uh, with their... Uh, Talks with on football. There isn't any women in there. Um, Jackie Oatley Sometimes is on BBC um, here and there. Um, the one thing I'm surprised at, it hasn't come in now that Match of the Day. You've got Gabby, um, Gabby O'Rourke, who um, sorry, guy Roslin, I believe, uh, yep. appears on there once in a while. Um, that is to me, it's surprising. You would think they would, they would, uh, you know, you've got three guys normally on Match of the Day. Mm. You would think they would bring in like that's the thing, isn't it? You would think they they always think well, one presenter and then bringing in the other yeah. guys because they're not women footballers. I guess that's the reason they don't bring in. But you know the the glass ceiling, I, I don't think has been broken the no. way it should be, and I don't see Absolutely. a lot of I don't see a lot of women like that's why I'm th- that's why I, I always try and you know talk about it's you know I've always tried to get women on here all the time and and um. Neil, back me up on that. I've tried so much because we all know how tough it is, and it, it is tough because you know you, you're always going to, you know, get so many things thrown at you. But it's, it's great to hear your journey. But I'll, I'll bring in uh, Steve Hastie, um, who pro- mentioned to you the fact that he had a he was invited to Rafa Benitez uh, to spend some time with him, and he's listened to he's also talk, listened to footballers um, with regards how they're treated by by Rafa. Come, uh, go ahead, Steve. Good evening. Good evening. How are you? I'm Hi, fine,
6: thanks. Hi, yeah. Great to hear uh, a member of the female race talking there on football. It's brilliant. As a as a as someone who's the uh, father of a teenager who's 18 and a, and a daughter who's 24, uh, I think it's 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 fabulous. I I love. I think it, girls now going to football is is just as. Same as it was, you know, not the same, but it's just, it's just something that's, that's come into the game over the last 15 or yeah. 20 years. And I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, when I started going to football, I think it was probably less than 1% of the of the, the crowd were women. And now, I think, you know, at Newcastle, it, it must be verging up there between the 15 and the 20%. Yeah, and the, the, the interest that girls are showing in football is brilliant. Women's football has come an awful long way in the last 10 to 15 years. And I think it's great also to see women in the media actually get an opportunity like yourself.
4: Oh, yeah, thanks, Steve. I mean, I think I think you're right, Andrew, as well, what you're saying. Um, the glass ceiling hasn't been broken. And yeah. it is unfortunate. You don't tend to get the same opportunities. There are yeah. opportunities, but they tend to look at the girls and sort of say, well, this role would be more suited to you. Whereas the people I look at, um, and the jobs that I enjoy doing, are the hosting roles, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, the live game analysis, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And those jobs do tend to go to men. Um, Mm -hmm. I can understand it's it's the way that it's always been. And it is about breaking into it. And you have to prove that you know your stuff. And, you know, slowly but surely, it is changing. I know that various organizations. The BBC worked very hard at that. You've seen ITV, as you say, Jackie Oatley. Actually, mm. Jackie's lucky enough to work for both the BBC and ITV yeah. and she's pushing her way in there very well and, and mm. you know, representing women pretty well. Um, and Gabby Logan's been obviously doing it for years. Um, Faces on Sky, the likes of Haley McQueen, she's a very mm. good friend of mine. She had good. good. I've been
0: trying to get her on for a while as well. So. She's a great, she's a great <laughs> so you will we'll be in touch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> She
4: worked really hard. I mean, she, she went to Sky Sports, like me. We both we were both there around about 2006. And then she was um, encouraged, I suppose, to go back to um, MUTV and get, her, get lots of experience there and mm. then came back to Sky. And now she's absolutely flourishing. And I think working for a club is really, really helpful. I mean, it was great for me being at Chelsea for, what, mm. six years and working. Because it's the closest thing that you can do to being a footballer, at, uh. you know, Obviously, there are some fantastic women footballers out there, and uh, one name that springs to mind, actually, Enia Luko, is a a great presenter. She's been doing a lot of stuff for the BBC um, and other channels and BT Sport and doing really, really well. Um, But, you know, if you you weren't a former footballer and didn't play the game like me, and you're just a journalist who wanted to come in and who loves football and loves presenting, um, you know, it's a little bit more difficult to... um, to know what it's like to be within that situation. So, working for a club is almost as close as being a footballer because you get to watch mm. training every day, mm. you see what the managers are up to, you know about a lot of the politics behind the mm. scenes. So, it was, it was one of the best experiences I could ever have had. Anyway, I'm going to stop waffling, sorry, but thanks, Steve. <laughs> <for> your... <laughs> no, <laughs> thanks. no I was, actually, I was going to
6: ask you do you, do you find now that as, as you're traveling around at, at clubs, especially down in the south, are, are you seeing more and more women involved within? Within the game as, as administrators and in, in the press teams, obviously we have Wendy Taylor, who is mm. the uh, press person at, at St James's Park from Newcastle yep. United. I'm wondering whether you're seeing more and more rules for women within the game, mm. because equally that's just as important, as well as you, you guys getting the, the sort of media uh, rules and putting it out there and being the face of a, of a particular uh, broadcaster. What about the clubs themselves? Are, are, there, are there opportunities out there that you're seeing being filled now more and more?
4: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think that in general, teams are growing within football clubs, um, particularly with the uh, popularity of social media. So, you know, whereas one person 10 years ago would, would control all of the media, um, now, you know, you've got so many digital producers and you've got camera people and you've got press officers and, you know, so many press officers, whole teams of press officers. Um, and I think because football has become more popular to women, um, and opportunities have um, opened up for women. I think I think you're right. I think definitely there are, are positions growing within the clubs, um, and 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 it can only get more so. And and it is sad. I mean, I'm asked to speak quite a lot at various uh, events and sort of journalism kind of events. And. You look out into a sea of faces, and it does t- tend to be kind of 80 to 90 percent males. But I guess that is a way. And, and as you say, Steve, you know, you've got a couple of daughters. I think you said yourself, it's really nice to be able to say to those daughters if they're interested in football, you know, th- this is an opportunity you can have yourself. Whereas probably when I was growing up, you know, at that age, if I was if I said I wanted to go into a football club, I think my dad probably would have said, well you know, it's not really going to happen, Alison, because you're not a boy. (laughs) Um, Whereas people wouldn't say that now, would they? So, you know, it's good, it's changing, and, you know, definitely I've seen it within my lifetime, absolutely. I mean, I remember being one of the only girls in the mixed zone, you know, waiting Mm. to interview footballers, and now now there's uh, a queue for the ladies' toilets. So there you <laughs> go. <Huh. laughs> well, well, there's, a camp- there's a campaign
6: for you straight away. More, li- more toilets <laughs> for ladies
3: in
0: football. <laughs> yeah. I think the one that's what I was getting at. You see, when I talked about the NFL, the, the difference between the NFL uh, with regards to, to women not in sports is so prevalent because when you look at the NFL, more or less every game there's a sideline reporter who's female. It, it it is far bigger over. The, obviously, it's a bigger country, isn't it? But it's it's much more. Um, prevalent over there because every single club has l- lots and lots of women in there um, who are reporting on news. Like I, I know one lady, um, Diana De- Rossini, who is uh, used to be part of, who's now ESPN and was, um, you know, part of the NFL network, and she's now one of the highest. Uh, place women in, in sports over there, and she is so charming, like, she's so funny, but she's kind of like a boyish mentality, you know, like, she is very, very funny, but even over there, um, one lead, she ran a story on a, a quarterback, uh, Robert Griffin the Third, about, um, uh, finding out something on him, and, uh, one of the, one of the, uh, wives jumped in and said, who is she, um, who we should sleep with to get that information? Because even my husband didn't know.
3: Wow. <laughs> so he, and that was
0: a woman saying that to a woman.
3: Wow. <laughs> yeah.
0: When I saw yeah, that, I was like, "Oh." Yeah. You know? you can I do can
6: you
3: ask get you know, that, question?
6: Do, yeah, do you find that, that with the with the the success of, of the women's game? Um, you know, you've got the clubs like Chelsea, who have a fantastic women's team, Manchester City, um, mm. Do you find that also, obviously, the success of the England uh, women's team? Do you find that is helping uh, within the media for, for you to yeah. get, for, or for, for girls to get opportunities within not just to re- not just in women's football reporting as such, but in in the mainstream game, in the men's game, and, and in in football in general? Do you think that's really helped you as well?
4: Oh yeah, definitely. It's um, I, I don't know if it necessarily helped me as much because I because I've, I've been in in this quite quite a while now and yeah. I'm kind of established but I guess sort of younger journalists and younger girls coming in I definitely think it would help um, for sure but yeah absolutely I've seen yeah. um, particularly as well because they're actually using female as pundits talking about the men's mm. game yeah. which often, I think before it was very much, okay, we'll have a female pundit talking about the women's game, mm. but we're not particularly comfortable having them talking about the men's yeah. game. But, but the yeah. interesting exactly. thing is most of these women, they're passionate about the men's game. I mean, I've been asked on so many occasions to come and talk about the women's game. And I, and I say, look, I'm on it, I'll be honest with you, I know so much more about the men's game because that's why mm. I spent my life following. Mm. So it, it's a tricky one sort of getting that switch. But, yeah, it can absolutely only help. And it's, uh, I've seen that that's been... Um, you know a key factor in, Amer- in sort of part of the growth in america as well yeah um,
3: because I've, I've, I've noticed
4: that US manchester company,
6: city yeah i've noticed yeah. manchester mm. city in their pre in their sort of half-time entertainment routines that they have where they get you know perhaps uh, a couple of youngsters from the crowd come on and they'll, they'll have them playing some sort of uh, game you know spinning around taking shots of goalkeepers mm-hmm. running dribbling with a ball and that and then they bring the, the girls on uh, usually two members from the Manchester City uh, women's team, and then they'll go up and they'll do sort of a challenge as well and they'll be seeing if they can get um, better scores and, and, and really push and, pushing the, the youngsters on who have came along. And I think that's great as well because that's that's giving those girls sort of a, a, an opportunity in front of the big crowd for the for the fans to realise, hey, we've got some really, really skillful women here at our yeah. football team.
4: And, and obviously they're, their they're facilities are, coming...
6: are fantastic anyway, you know.
4: They're becoming more household names as well, like, you know, the likes of Lucy Bronze and Tony Duggan and Jill Scott. I mean, people know these names now, whereas probably five years ago, if you'd gone and sort of asked football fans those names, they wouldn't have heard of them. So, you know, I think, yeah, it's definitely, it is changing little by little and it it can only be a good thing, I think. It's refreshing to hear guys being so positive about it as
6: well. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, just, I'll, I'll sure fin, I'll, can I spin it now? Can I, can I go on to the negative and ask why? Not just you, but why yeah. Why do you think some of the some of the Southern press don't mm. seem to have picked on? And you know what I'm going to talk about now? Why haven't they picked on um, what is the worst performing team in 2016, mm. which is Crystal Palace, i Alan you. You know, played 31 games and managed to get 22 points out of 31 games uh, during 2016, and yet... You look at it, and you look at the league, which was on the BBC website this morning, and Mm. and you've got second-bottom York, and they got relegated uh, from the Football League. Danganham Redbridge, they got relegated from the Football League. Villa, they were relegated. MK Dons, they're struggling like hell. And Rotherham, who are bottom, (laughs) bottom of the championship. And you're looking at that and thinking, well, right at the very bottom's Crystal Palace. Yet yeah, we've got people, people like Patrick Barkley, who will not admit. Oh, no. He did on my show
0: actually. It. He's a nice guy. I like.
6: Yeah, hey, you know, lovely guy. Yeah, lovely, great reporter, very intelligent. But when it comes to the to, to Alan Pardew, the blink has mm. come up, and he just cannot see it. And the number of Newcastle fans that he's blocked on Twitter, yeah, who have just asked that. him the simple question of why can't you see what's going on? You know, uh, we were ca- we were told we were deluded when mm. it came to to you know he, he he castigated us not just not just go myself, on and Alice and answer
0: it he can go he'll go on forever go answer it <laughs> I will
3: <won't laughs> go on like, forever yeah
4: I I mean uh, I, I was definitely expecting to talk a bit about Newcastle I wasn't necessarily expecting to talk about Crystal Palace bashing but you know yeah but they are the worst team in the top four divisions but I do think that um. I think there's been plenty out there to say that. Maybe not as much as you <laughs> hope for. It's not been. Uh, it's not been. Hidden, uh, that, that's for sure. I mean, I think it's only, it's only that
6: because we got absolutely hammered right across the board mm-hmm. for a season uh, on on what was going wrong at Newcastle and pointing the finger at him And we were told, you know, by all and sundry that we were wrong that he was a mm-hmm. great manager. that he he had a plan B, which everybody now knows he he doesn't have a plan B. You know, um, we were were the deluded people in football and and we're being proved totally opposite. Here you go, here you go. I've just had
4: an article you'll enjoy then. So here we go. Alan Pardew's struggling side have a measly 0.71 points per that's match ratio, <laughs> says the Daily Mail. <laughs> is, that a good, is that a good place for me to leave it? Will that make <laughs> happy? You know
6: what? <laughs> <laughs> shall, shall I spin it around and go, you know what, that's a lazy report that because that's exactly <laughs> what it says on the BBC <laughs> website this morning.
0: When, the, the, yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing is, that I think because we've now got one of the better managers in the world, you know, yeah. it, I think things have to happen like obviously when you worked at Real Madrid, I remember when um, Benitez went to Real Madrid. It was such an emotional event across the board, yeah. and he he went th- obviously he started in Real Madrid, didn't he? And he went yeah. through all the ranks, and the way that they ambushed him when the same team that Zidane got has now got um, that won won the Champions League, and they yeah. and so for me the. I think a year ago, before he took that job, we we were being linked with them then, before McLaren took it, I believe. So it's interesting the way things happen, the, the way things have got to happen, that maybe the hurt he got with Madrid, yeah. and
3: yeah.
0: the way that he was like, it, that's the thing. He's been he's been dealt a bad hand by two clubs. One he absolutely loves with everything he's got, and one that probably should have liked him even more, and he still won trophies with them. So I think for for Benitez. It's it's been an interesting way for him to get to Newcastle, and I I do think that he'll be with us for a long long time. Uh, like you know, and he'll totally the, the the whole club from sponsorship next season. We'll have that horrible sponsor we've got right now. Um, they'll mm. they'll be replaced. So uh, the one thing I'm going to say before before you go, I've got to bring in uh, my uh, Sunderland supporters. But um, the interesting thing I find when it comes to journalism, when you listen to any every single game. And I mean, like, just commentators, you know, commentating from um, all over the world, you never hear an uh, English, uh, sorry, a woman's voice whatsoever. And I've been keeping track of it, because I get all these streams, and I checked the weekend, just on a on an average, 32 mm. games, there wasn't one single woman on that um, talk commentating on the game.
4: Uh Sorry, say that again. There wasn't there a w- single woman commentating on which game.
0: On any game in uh, on Europe. On any game. None of them. None of them, like you know, from just the... you can normally have two commentators, um, talking commentating on the game, and there, there wasn't any a woman's uh, a voice at all on the. Um, and that's what I mean, I'm saying. They
4: use, they use women. I mean, they definitely use them on uh, you know, on match of the day, on. Um, um. And oh, the BBC, or, yeah, yeah, we've got Vic, if you we've listen got, got big sparks. Yeah, yeah. Mm. They, they have quite a lot in fact. I would does say um, a couple of Saturdays ago, I was quite surprised just how many women they'd used. In fact, um, like I mean the commentary. The I mean the, the, the commentary. Com- the commentary yeah, you know, like, there was
0: none. Yeah, and I believe because yeah, I, I did. And that's
4: not something. I, I mean, I don't so do awful, commentary. Really. I do. <laughs> I do sort of pre post match. I do pretty much everything but commentary. I have just tried commentary in the past. And it's not for me. I don't. I don't really enjoy it as much. But uh, no, it's not really. It's not for me. But there are very capable women out there who are excellent at commentary, and you know, hopefully, they'll be getting more experiences and more opportunities Mm. as time goes on. But yeah, yeah. That's um,
0: before before I bring in my next. Sorry, go ahead, Steve. I was just going to say, yeah,
6: we've we've got Vicky Sparks here at the BBC in
0: Newcastle,
4: and and
6: Vicky Vicky travels all over. She travels, you know, as far south as Hull and beyond on Saturdays. Uh, she can be at St James's Park. Mm. She can be at, at Sunderland, Carlisle. You know, and v- Vicky's doing fantastic. Vicky's mm. really spot on with what she says, and Vicky also does a lot of the a lot of the production work behind the scenes with uh, yeah. with Total Sport that we have, which is a, obviously a, 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 an evening uh, talk show on, on Radio Newcastle every night, and and it's it's great. Again, you know, Vicky's knowledge of of all sports is 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 fantastic. You know. And I think that's just being local and, and hearing a local voice and, and I think that, that encourages other girls in, in, the, in the region who want to get into media and want to get into uh, it, to, to that sort of um, discipline. It, to show them that, you know, it, it doesn't just have to be netball. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be gymnastics that you can go to. You can cover you can cover all sorts of sports, whether it's basketball, whether it's rugby, uh, whether it's football. Um, and, and, it, and you're not also just going to be tied to being the weather girl either, you know. One of the barriers that, that, that girls have to break down, and girls are doing fantastically well at breaking down and long may it continue.
4: Fantastic. Hear, hear. <laughs> I second that. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: before, before you go, obviously, we're, um, um, remember when you, we talked about Patty Stanger um, oh, yeah. when it comes to dating. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, when I watch shows like that, she scared me, just the way that she talks about things. And yeah. you, you said you you liked the honesty of it, didn't you? Like, I, like I must admit, even when I talked to her, she scares me. So it's... So, I love like it's her. I mean,
4: it's a, it's, a, it's a really random obsession. And when, when you first contacted me and said that you yeah. <laughs> represented her or something, I thought, Marketing. hang on a minute, how does that happen? But um, yeah, a Millionaire Matchmaker is, or was, I should say, my guilty pleasure. I haven't watched it for ages, actually. Mm. But I used to, I went through a period where I watched it like almost every day. <laughs> I just like the way she's no nonsense. And she literally says, like, she, a girl will walk in, with mousy hair, and she'll say, what on earth yeah. are you doing? You, ne- you need to be blonde. And the, and the girl's blonde by the next day, and, and Pappy knows she looks better blonde. Well, but, she hates you know, redheads. I've never been, oh, uh, exactly, exactly. And I've, to be honest, I've never been that straight talking. I'm not like her at all, but I just, mm. I love her. She's brilliant. Well,
0: you never know. I, I talked to her last week, so if I could get you to have a chat with her, we'll... We'll arrange something. But um, I'll, don't worry, I'll be in touch regarding other people who can get on the show and talk about that. Fantastic. That may be fun That's just to plug family. you in. <laughs> just, thanks a lot, Alison. Thanks, thanks a lot. Good luck this weekend as well. As yeah, again. thanks very much. Right, Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Bye. thanks,
3: Alison. Bye-bye. Good,
0: good Great, guest. And obviously we hope for luck to have um, uh, Alison back on the show sometime soon. And we'll bring in our next guest who is uh, a son and it's it's Keith. And I'm sure he's over the moon right now. Good evening, Keith.
5: Not quite to the moon, but to the rain as happy as Larry. <laughs> well, should
0: we be
6: sharing you, Keith? Should we be patting you on the back and say congratulations? Because quite frankly, in the last t- two weeks, obviously we weren't on last week. That, the last two week, two games that you played, I know I know it surprised you, but it certainly surprised me as well.
5: <laughs> what what performances?
6: Absolutely.
5: Oh, a couple of things on that. It's, it's all down to David Moyes. I've sang his quiz all the time, <laughs> as you guys know. The, the lightning situation, tactic, you know, just brilliant. He's just clear. He That that week he spent in the stands, he obviously didn't want to go there and show his hand. He said I'll sit in the stands. He deliberately left a bit of steam and he got sent to the stands. Again, that was a tactic of Moyes. Brilliant. Let's hear the lightning. Let's just have an 80th birthday to start and get the crowd going. Couldn't have went better. He, he was aiming for that day to lift the crowd just everything went well, He's just it's the Moise effect, he's doing mean, He's actually getting the best out of Rafa as well, because he's given Rafa something to aim for. You always have a sight set a little bit higher than you can obviously reach, just to keep you going and motivated. Like, you know, carrot on the stick for the donkey. It's the same thing, so Moyes has in influenced yourselves, it's the ripple effect, you know. So Moise, Moise, Moise. That, that's all we've got to talk about. you Yeah, one of Moyes Moyes, are you? <laughs> no, I'm certainly not. Look, I tell you how things oh. go. Back, back to the real world.
0: Well, the thing is, that, let's be honest. When you beat Bournemouth, which I, which I watched and I did watch again this weekend, but when um, I think the one thing I'll say, when it came to Hull, you couldn't have got a better team to play at home. But that really doesn't tell the full story, does it? Because they had lots of chances too, didn't they?
5: They did either go on about uh, bogey teams, we're never in forgetting Fathead not being there. We always struggle against Hull of them teams that you would expect to win and we don't beat and you've seen us at the end of last season we pull victories out of the bag against like yeah Chelsea's. You know, getting results against Man Cities in the past, getting results against the teams you wouldn't expect. So Hull although you've said there on paper we should have beaten and you'd expect this, would it it wasn't as if we just like you know, swept them aside. But it was hard work. The two up front were pulling, pushing. Van Arnholt, to be honest, he was actually he didn't get enough credit in the in the press afterwards on on the ratings he got in my view because he pushed those front three forward and made sure they stayed up top. And he was always pushing to stay up that way, getting balls to him where he can. When we're under pressure, he cleared off the line. Pickford had a couple of worldies, you know, they looked good, but the. You know, if you watch them back, they were difficult to achieve. I think I've just watched the news before, and Harper I had said as much on um, on the uh, evening news. Great saves. The one he got down to lower down was like pretty special, you know. So, what well, keeper was on form, which proved they had chances for for Pickford to get a good score. Proved it wasn't a walk in the park for them. But what has been missing from a Sunderland team under Allardyce seems to have come back in the fact that we've got a. The guy who's not classy, um, but a bit classic in the way of an HIB. He's got strength. He's, he's battling. So, you know, even just if he's a bit clumsy, but he, he's making the effort. The crowd give a roar. And little things, you know, if a hard challenge goes in sometimes, or you get an injustice, a bad decision from the ref, the lights going off was a little thing that just it boosted morale. You know, the crowd had a little bit of banter. There was just a few things fell into place at the weekend. You know, stopped the ball going in at crucial times, scored at crucial times. It made the difference, and it was uh, it was pleasant, really. You know, it was nice to see match of the day and match of the day too, because uh, we got a little bit of a spotlight on that. Yeah, baby,
0: there Can you ask it? who uh, confirmed uh, uh, that the three
6: the three goals didn't
5: go in when the lights were off, did they? <laughs> well, uh, you might have noticed that. They said it was the emergency generator, but it was Charlie Hurley's birthday cake still burning at the touchline there with the 80 <laughs> candles. So it was bright enough, don't you worry about that. Uh, you know, no problems, albeit we, we got asked to leave at the end of the match from corporate because the emergency generator only supplies pitch side plus emergency plus floodlights to get you by in 90 minutes. So they had to evacuate the building. So uh once to the first all and enjoy the cheese and biscuits at the end, <laughs> and uh, a few Merlots, was lot to leave it there pretty pronto. But
3: really?
5: There we go do, do, any the do, any the players,
3: yeah.
5: do any of the players come
0: in do any of the players do any of the players come into the boxes afterwards to to talk to the fans just you know after well, after such a relieving defeat
5: well what what the two is um the the attendance would probably the, i've i've been the guest of the few names at Newcastle, it's generally the come into um into the main open suite and stand on the stage for the man of the match, you know, mm-hmm. the match sponsor. So you don't get them coming individually into the box. You get ex players coming in, uh, chatting to you. But where mine is, I'm right next door to Kirchhoff and Van Ordhold's box, so any player that's injured or maybe not playing on that day, they're next to us anyway, so I'm a bit crack with them as and when. But, um, no, no, after the match, anyway, it was a pretty condo departure for everybody. The press were downstairs, obviously interviewing the players, as you say, on TV. But, no, it was high spirits at the weekend. It was good because it it's like back-to-back wins. And the, I think I mentioned this the last time, the the international break. Shooter does it kept that feel-good factor mm. lasting longer. You know, even if we only pull the draw out on Saturday, it, yeah. it, it allowed the training camp to feel better. For a lot longer than it had been. So there's a number of reasons why. One, I don't think it's down to Moyes toady, but let's hope it is. Let's hope he is pulling the strings a bit better behind the scenes now. But certainly up for what dragging results out by getting goals and first clean sheet in God knows how long that was crucial, lad. Even though they were pinging a few chances to keep that clean sheet any which way is massive, really.
0: Uh, Neil, do you you think that um, they? The, 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 it's definitely changing with Moyes being in charge because the players seem to be backing him, don't they?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I wonder if some of the sort of... What, some of the things he said publicly is a little different to what he's doing behind the scenes in the dressing room. He's, 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 he seems to be... He's created a little bit of momentum for them now. They've picked the two wins up. And the, 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 for all, the table looks a little bit better for them. I'm still a bit of the the opinion that there's there's three worst teams in the Sunday in that division and they'll stay up. Um, mm-hmm. though they'll d- they'll they'll do well without the six point gift that we
3: um
1: gift. Was there was only him. four last season were Wheeling myself of it. Come on. No oh, well there you go. Um, <laughs> but but at, at the same time, um, even after two wins on the bounce, you still look where the odd and table and it gives you an idea. Those wins are critical because without those, I think cut and drift, I think, is the is what, he's what they would have become, and 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 now they're not. They've got a chance. That they seem to have a bit of um, togetherness uh, in the squad as well, which I think is important in that position. Um, so yeah, it, it, it it's it, it's just you've got to go game by game and, and keep picking up three points where you can.
5: I well, think not, it's not, it. not the threes, it's the weekend as well against Liverpool. you are mm-hmm. happy with one point. I think totally you've heard me on, yeah, I'm still not a fan of and That's not going to change until he wins a few more and a mm-hmm. few trickier games uh, in different circumstances. However, the team themselves, it might be the Moyes effect, but the team themselves have, have just found a way of winning and they've lifted themselves. You're dead right by hanging on the court heels. It's like when you mathematically relegated, you know, towards the tail end of the season, you see in Aston Villa just totally, like give up the ghost, you know, mm-hmm. whereas that could have happened if we continued that hoodoo of getting beat had that end. It did end, and it did not, not necessarily in style, but it's ended, you know, was like putting it like crossing the T's and dotting the eyes by backing it up with another win. That's how I feel. So the players just get a natural lift, a bit of adrenaline, you know, you get a pat on the back and, and it, it gives you a lift you think like well done it's nice to hear and the fact of he's still singing <coughs> supporting each of the players and they of of be you, you know some players get wrong cult status but he just seems to if he can keep it a little bit going I'm not expecting a goal again from the fellow mm. but it's his style you know he, he, he's probably just loving it the fact he's getting a bit of adulation after a couple of like you know performances so that gives him a lift it makes him want to do it again next week whether Moyes wants him to or not or has the skill to get out of him, he'll want to do it for himself because it is a nice feeling as a footballer or as any sportsman, you know, coming first or, or being the talk of the town, it's important, you know, so that's where the lifts come from, it's a bit more of what I felt were lacking togetherness and team spirit seems to be there, which has helped.
0: The one thing I've noticed, I don't know if you've noticed, um, Keith, is that when he's, he's scored his goals, he hasn't gone completely mad, he looks like he's more focused than what I've seen in him when he was at Everton. He's obviously quite younger then, but he seems to he seems to revel in it. But he's, he's there's a quiet determination because he's always always come across like they've always said, haven't he? He needs he needs an arm round him, not a kick.
5: Well, maybe, but how it is when you see him score the goal, you must just be in awe of his physique, anyway. never mind his <laughs> celebration, <laughs> goodness me, he's like the old outdoor toilet sort of. he? totally built like brick, but. Yeah, he is. I, I think he's matured. I, I think he's been uh, reported saying that he's obviously learned a lot from Defoe. But Defoe's come mm-hmm. up and see he's actually enjoyed playing along. Sometimes, you know, two unlikely players do strike up a relationship. You know, and uh, Defoe seems to enjoy playing alongside him. Um, nice little landmark for Jermaine at the weekend. 150. Mm-hmm. The goal he scored. Okay, he did sweep them aside, but. He, he just showed determination and he just wasn't going to like let that ball go. He wasn't looking to make a pass. He was going to find the outlet where he could get the shot off. What a classical player. So if he is learning anything from anybody, couldn't be many people better on the to learn from his eye for goals just amazing for a guy of his age, still doing it. Pace, awareness, strength, both feet class. Happy with that, like? Right? If you
0: say, I, I I, ask, jump in, uh, Steve. I was yeah. going to say, can I ask you, what did
6: you think of Hull? Um, obviously, I mean, it, it looked like a resounding victory for you, and, and, you know, and I'm not, not sort of denigrating at all. But what what did you think of Hull? Obviously, we've got Hull in the cup uh-huh. in uh, you know week, week tomorrow. Uh, did, did they play badly? Did they did they put up a decent performance, and you just sort of took them the cleaners, you know, with with three clinical goals. What what mm. what was your opinion?
5: Well, I'll tell you again. If you think the gist of what I am saying, we didn't sweep them aside, and the fact that Pickford had to make saves and, and did very well at, at getting them saves from like, obviously crucial angles. They did have shots on target. I just don't think. Again, if you if you listen to the after-match reviews, their manager says we took our chances they didn't. Well, that that's the difference. Our two guys mm. the cynical their finishes from like two from an to be one from the four. They didn't finish, they didn't look like finishing and when they did we had a keeper that was up to it. You've just got to hope had uh, same by yourself, if if it comes there, your defenders will rescue you. you certainly weren't bad 10, ten minutes. We I thought God that's our back to back win just not happening. They looked very good from centre half to the the eighteen yard box. They passed it around a few things and made some good moves so they weren't a bad side, but they are struggling. And I don't think they've got a highly motivational manager either. So, you know, a bit of a question mark yeah. on his ability. So, can he lift the team if his team slumped? If views, get a couple of goals against them or just one early goal, mm. has the manager got it in his locker to change things around? The team themselves weren't a, weren't a bad outfit, but just lacking that, what we've been lacking, a poor team and just not that little bit of inspiration to get them... That extra step, which is a goal, you know, which is what they need. So you can certainly do them, no doubt about it. But don't write them off as being a pushover. Just because you think, oh, you don't like Sunderland. They beat them, so we should be able to beat them. No, no, I know you're not saying that, but I'm saying you can't think, oh, well, Sunderland will bottom and they beat them. It doesn't Mm -hmm. follow suit that 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 will happen. they, They had chances. They can create chances. Just be ready for it, yeah. Yeah,
6: they had a decent start this season. That's the thing, mm-hmm. you know, and and everybody was raving about uh, about uh, a start that they had. I obviously surprised a lot of people had lost their manager uh, very late on, and they didn't appoint uh, feeling yeah until what three or four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So they had had a good start, and it just suddenly all of a sudden it just seems to have, have drifted again, which coincided, I think, probably with the the, the announcement that the club was looking like it was going to be sold rather than, mm-hmm. you know, the continuous it's up for sale or are you going to sell it type of thing. And <laughs> quite ironic that the one thing that the fans have been looking for, which was the change of ownership uh, and, you know, the, the the word from the owners that it oh, yeah. that it's it's heading that way and all of a sudden <laughs> the, what's happening on the pitch seems to, to have affected the players rather than anything else, you know, mm-hmm. and the performances, uh, or the results rather, not necessarily the performances, uh, are, uh, are really showing them up, you know.
5: Well, with the exception of John Carver for yourselves, how many times have we seen in the North East where a manager's been sacked or left of his own accord for a better job or whatever, and the caretaker manager went in, and he's had that little honeymoon period where he's got yeah. the dressing room on his side, and you get a run of wins. So at the start of the season, you could guess that might be what's happened to Hull. But when it comes down to it, how many, you know, assistant managers, caretaker managers or whatever, haven't really got, you like at a, an alidate with experience has got to actually manage the team. And Alex Ferguson, I'm not putting them in the same bracket as in mm. what they've achieved, the but, no, you know, exactly. know the you strength mean. of mind, how, how, how they manage. It, it takes a certain type to be a manager. We've seen McLaren come under somebody's wing, you know, you've seen the game with Kidd. Some assistant managers never ever go on to be managers. So when it gets a bit tough, I think Hull have, have probably hit that period where feeling there's no way where to turn. Does he drop his start? and does he wants mm. to play a little bit deeper or a little bit wider or whatever because he doesn't want to upset the guys who are his pals? And that's where he's probably running the scheme at the moment. He might get a second wind and it might be against you, so again, don't write them off, but that's how oh, I they them, I think. Uh, I think they've got a, a not not a proven manager in, in their team. We have, that's the difference. Albeit <laughs> he's unimpressed at the moment, we have got a proven manager. They haven't got that, you know, so... That's the difference. Yeah, I think
0: uh, when Neil, when it comes to when it comes to to Sunderland, it, you know, I think they're they're gonna, I think they'll be, okay, well, I'm not sure they'll be okay, but I think uh, when it when it comes to Sunland they're going to be begging for players to come there in the window. I think that's their immediate aim, but I think they have to get them in pretty quickly and not wait around and barter too much. What do you think, Neil?
1: Well, it, it, it was a problem, you know, because of the situation that we left with, uh, with with allardyce going. Um, they obviously people get people in through um, uh, through the the the, the run up to the start of the season. Um, you'd hope if they've got half a brain, they've got deals lined up to just to knock them over like dominoes and bring them in. Um, once the window opens now we all know that um, transfers don't seem to be that simple anymore um, but you'd hope they've done a bit of homework on what they need and where they need it and they're ready to go for their sake I think they'll need it um, I think where they, their challenge now is to get as high up that division as possible before the window opens so that if any of the players have got are hedging on joining Um, they can look at the league Mm -hmm. table and say, oh, look, yeah, okay, we're going to go there. We're coming into a a better situation. I think they'll struggle to get certain players through the door if they're still in the bottom three. It's as simple as that.
5: Correct on that, but it's now possible in the way people manoeuvre yourselves, if you just look back a year ago, you signed Townsend in a window, uh, which he was happy to do so, and he felt it was going to be a battle of battle, and he didn't win. He was always going to be all right, so... There's always some negotiating to do with a player on that basis. But I'm going to go to the other man who's obviously on fire for years, Dwight Gale. You know, you bought a player who was prepared to come to the Championship. Something as ever needed to be identifying players who aren't getting a game at the a club, or a regular game. Uh, they might just be at the, the, the twilight of their career, which is fine by me there's a season or two so left and they can do a job for it. Um, are you on the, on the Metro, Andrew?
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, I'm getting messages as you're talking. Continue. Yeah. I, I think he's got
5: one of those musical toilet seats. That's <laughs> what it is. I just didn't want to miss any stop. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but realistically, it's a case of it might be somewhere here. It. it might even be a young lad who's actually trying to break through. Maybe a lad who who will get on loan, you know. But there'll be way. There's got to be somewhere in Moses. Mm. Um. Like shortlist who he can get for the reasons how like I said why, why are people saying well Dwight Gale's on fire not knocking the fact he's in the championship but he is only scoring in the championship he wasn't headhunted by a Premier League club mm. that's exactly what Moyes should do so look mm. you're not getting a your game, you're not going to be playing for Chelsea man or whatever we're offering you a, a way to get in the shop window if we're still up, you're here for a long time and you're playing Premier League if not you, you could move on. You've come on. So he needs to identify players who can definitely do a job for a longer term and maybe with one-iron relegation. But hey, forget about it. If they don't get relegated, it could still be a good player who's certainly got Premier League uh, experience and ability. But when need central defence showed up, when he's centre midfield showed up, Catamall, not the clashes of players, but does a job. He's now out for four more months.
3: Four months yeah. he's a
5: Direct replacement for him. Kirchhoff, you know, he's on on his road to recovery, but he's fragile. So we need central midfield and centre defenders, because Coney has went off the boil. Goodness me, that 18 to 20 million, whatever. You know, looking back now, should we have took it? You know, mm-hmm. we still we're still well ground and done well to keep him, but he's looked the shadow himself. And why, this is me, worry when Moyes comes to getting a checkbook and why I'm happy to shop small. While most expensive signing and dong was absolutely all at sea at the weekend he was mm-hmm. just nowhere, and you can read that in reports but I was watching the whole match he was just dreadful he was not involved the game passed him by we might as well have played with 10 men and then the other guy Gilla sent off at the end mm-hmm. clumsy mistake Eight million, you know so with the times that Maurice has spent <laughs> I'm not impressed with what he's actually got for his money you know it's like the kid who went to market on Jack and the Beanstalk we did while I'm just like you know throw the beans out the window and see what he comes <laughs> up with <laughs> totally random with them two buys. It's £22 million, £23 million sitting on them two guys. So more spending, not, not be-all and end-all. You just needs to be a bit crafty in the, the window.
0: OK, well, thanks for coming on, Keith. appreciate it. I know it's a bit late, so thanks for no, coming no, on. No. We'll catch you next week, yeah. mate, OK? Right.
5: Don't miss your stop. Look after yourselves, you lads.
0: <laughs> thanks, Keith. See you. Thanks, Steve, yeah. as well, cause I know you've been on. Thank you. Uh, you've got, I know you've yeah, got, got to go yeah. Your, your, your mum's 82nd birthday. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. it, ever. Take I'll tell her
6: happy birthday from you guys.
0: Yeah, happy birthday. I hope she's well.
6: She is. Thank Cheers, yeah, mate. Ta-ra.
0: ta Bye. Right, great chat. Is everyone Sunday there? Eh? And that brings in um, my next guest tonight, who's not going to talk about Sunday because he always likes to deride them, just like he I do, but around. it's <laughs> Lee Johnson. Good evening, Lee. Hello, mate. How are you? So you ate hey. the game. Obviously, I was watching it myself, so um, Ooh, I think you mentioned got that... Lots of
7: points. I feel I feel I'm, I'm man down today. I'm a man down. Oh Jesus! <laughs>
0: I'm still not good. <knackered. laughs> ah, ah. The thing was, it was interesting, was Because I think you mentioned that um, Newcastle fans on social media were always a bit trying to out, out trying to outthink Rafa Benitez. And uh, you said, "Listen, it's Rafa Benitez. Let, let, let him just pick the team and let us win." And that's what he does. Right. <laughs>
7: Getting rather, getting rather boring that with an hour before the game kicks off and everyone kicking off with his team selection then I think it's just quite nice after the game where most likely these, these good photos that I've got him I just keep putting back on I, lads, team selection and then obviously we're born again two now out or three now. oh well, man Jesus Christ man, how's what he's doing you don't need to question what he's doing I mean, do you would get us wrong you'll sometimes get things wrong um, but you know I think it's quite clear that um, well there's, there's no doubt about it there's, there's a lot of analysts uh, analysis that goes into his team selections. You know he's looking at things like um, performance levels. You know a few lads have been away on an international duty, travelled quite far, didn't come back late. So it's preparation, it's planning. It's the first time Newcastle's had this in absolute years. So as far as I'm concerned, it's absolutely fantastic, and that's why we're winning football matches.
0: I think the only one thing I would have done. This is just random from me, but uh, I don't know if I don't know if Neil agrees. But um, with Mitrovic playing two games in a week. I would have, I wouldn't have had him on the bench. I would have had him. I would have had Murphy, who played today for the under 23s. I think um, uh, you know he, he puts a lot. Obviously, he puts a lot into his game as Mitrovic. But the one thing that's that surprised me that that uh, unless Dal Murphy still in, is is carrying something, but uh, I, especially when he came on and he, he put himself about and he got injured as well near the end. So uh, I was a bit surprised by that. But you know you can't you can't. Quiver when it comes to a two a two win against probably Leeds United's biggest game of the season.
7: <laughs> there was no doubt about it was the biggest game of the season. It was a massive massive crowd for it. Um, but it honestly, I
1: by seven
7: and a half thousand. I know. Mm. I think it's the first time they've sold out since um, ten I mean, mm. I just since you know I. You mean, I, I, really? I well, I actually went into the game and I was a little bit concerned about it. Yeah. I, I, I just get concerned about games. But yeah. really, after the first 30 minutes, we were so dominant. You know, they were unbeaten in about eight or seven or eight games and everyone said they're going to come out, come at, come at us like a steam train. But we just, we do what we're doing. Where, again, I'll, I'll still repeat this. I still don't think we've hit any great heights. No. Um, but we're so effective, economical, there's, you know, the... Uh, the players, there was little moments in the game which I love seeing where they, where they do something well as a team and you can see them all reacting to each other, fist pumping. I was watching the guy on the touchline again yesterday. I'm going to have to get his name, Rafa's assistant. You know what I was saying? Rafa sits down on a corner or a free kick uh, to them or to us and his mate gets up with his clipboard. He was even fist pumping after we, we cleared the fourth corner in the row. So he's taking great joy out of little things like that. And he's like, he's standing there orchestrating what they're doing when we con- when we in- when Leeds had them four corners, it was like basically he's just mapping things out for people, and that that would tell you a lot about the kind of preparation that's going into the games. You know, Benitez and his staff are leaving basically no stone unturned. We, uh, fully professional. This team, yes, of course there'll be the odd speed bump along the way in this in this particular league, but. Let's be honest with you, he's not going to allow complacency to creep in, and you can see it within the players, within the captain, you know, they're all on point, they're all on their toes. It's great, it's fantastic to watch, and everyone's absolutely buzzing. Yesterday was just fantastic again.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think, yeah, go ahead, yeah.
7: Well, we we had a group
1: of lot um, over here um, in the same bar as the Dubai White, the Leeds supporters group yesterday, and we all watched it together. Um, and speaking to some of the Leeds lads after the game, they were quite shell shocked. They they thought they would give us a better game than that. They were a couple of them commented that you, you looked like you had a lot more in the tank um, mm. if you needed it, and they were quite quite surprised at how dominant Newcastle were for sections of that game. Um, they they were actually disappointed in some ways with their team, and 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 I think it's because we we just shut them down. Uh, and mm. I and I think Lee's quite right. We haven't hit great heights. I don't think we got out of third gear, really. And no. there was always something else there. And I think that's why, when you look at that bench, Andrew, when you're saying, "Oh, mm. maybe we should add this one on and that one on," mm.
3: he's
1: gonna he's, he's gonna pick the people who he's gonna <coughs> pick a blend of what he thinks is right. Because like like we said earlier on in the show, he made a comment about the fact he'd had Perez, Gale, and Colbach mm. over the whole. In whole international break, and and he's obviously had a plan to use them in some respect. And then he he made, made he made it clear he wanted wanted uh, Mitrovic there because the lad's on a, a goal scoring run, mm. and, and what a luxury to have sitting on your bench, mm. you know. And then playing for the under 23s the day, the the last season's championship top, top scorer. <laughs> yeah. um, it it's it's an embarrassment of riches. It really is at the minute in in, in relative terms. Yeah, and again we're com- <laughs> yeah. coming back to that, to that um, the, the comments we made in w- w- with Ali Bender before, and in, in terms of the squad depth, that's the difference, mate. Because as I said to you, the, the Brighton lad, I, w- I was Clive out, out, out here who I know quite well. Um, he said what what killed them last season was towards the end of the season they just ran out of players. Mm. And and even the even Borough got up by the skin of their teeth because they were running out of players and playing kids. in the last. And why they, they had a wobbler when they looked set to get an automatic promotion place and nearly lost at the Brighton was because they were playing kids as well. You know, and and, and, and I think that's one of the things Benitez As straight away said is long season, we need squad depth, and I'm going to rotate. And we as fans just have to accept it and let them get on with it um, yes, we all love an opinion and all, and, and some of us are quite quick to voice our opinion more than others um, mm. but when it comes to that team selection we've got to get used to A, rotation and B, he's not always going to pick the team we think he's going to pick and so far, so good mm. um, so just let him get on with it and, and why don't we get back to the real stuff like perhaps singing some of the songs with the proper words for a change <laughs>
0: It was interesting, wasn't it, uh, Leeds? That for 30 minutes, the <laughs> Leeds couldn't get out, could they? They were like no. completely overwhelmed, weren't they?
7: Well, I just kept turning to me brother and say, so "We were just like saying, especially when the second goal went in, we were just like, each other. The gun, they're not going to, they're not going to score here. Are we really going to concede two goals now if this mm-hmm. game's over? You know, we, we are so, we're so, we so well organised, we're so, the so, so focused. Every single one of them." You know, you can just see them just working hard for each other and, you know, a, a little... I mean, obviously, it's a different league of the Premier League at the moment
3: and
7: I'd like to think we'll be back in that Premier League next season, but uh, just kind of looking at Leicester last season, uh, Leicester really worked hard, mm. um, got the job done, everyone knew their jobs. I thought that's why they won the title and they had a few different players who had that little bit of extra quality. And I think we pretty much got that in this league, you know, you can tell. But I think... There's players there who Benitez is trying to develop uh, with a view for next season and things like that because I think we've got some good footballers who could do a job in the Premier League. I actually do, and, I, and if and if I was and if I was pushed to see about the current squad of players without like you know adding to it and things like, I think we'd probably in an, we'd be in and around sort of like 14th, you know, our 14th, 12th kind of position at this particular moment in time because I think hard work gets you so far. But when you've got a manager of his stature on the touchline, who actually, everything he kind of does is relevant. Like I said, when I watch him on the touchline, what he's doing, how he's doing it, the people that he's got working around him, we're really, really well organised. We're tough nut to crack. And, you know, like I said, if anyone's performance levels drop, we, have, we we currently have replacements to bring in. So it's just, I mean, of course, like Neil said, everyone's got an opinion and things like that. But the, the team selection thing just constantly makes us laugh now. I'm just like, oh, my God, how a man, Jesus Christ. I, I still wake up every day and think, how is this man our manager? I mean, if he came into my house now, I'd kick, I'd kick Helen straight out, and I'd just let him sit down <laughs> and have a cup of tea with
0: us. Helen, I'll get him for that. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> this, yeah, it's good. I think that's the thing is that. I, well, I've noticed on you, on your Twitter and various other people, they always they talk about um, Rafa Benitez being as being the lover they can't quite get. <laughs> which I quite, which I, and which I can't, which I actually don't get, if I'm being honest. But anyway, um, the the interesting thing is coming up, uh, Lee. Before I bring in uh, John, uh, final mm-hmm. question. Uh, when it comes to, he's just about he could he could break um, Kevin Keegan's record at the weekend. That's something that could, and it could go on and on, couldn't it? Uh, well, uh, I mean,
7: like, like we've kind of said a couple of times, you know, it's going to take. It's gonna take a good team to score one or two goals against us and you know, you can't not see Newcastle score in a game. Of course you're gonna have the odd speed bump and things like that, like the World's Game and things like that, but the players are so on point at this particular moment in time, they're so focused, they're so driven. You know, there was a there was a little clip when Gale scored this morning which was filmed by a Leeds fan behind the goal and did you see all the players and they run into the corner man celebrating together as one? I mean obviously I was like under somebody at this point so I never seen that in the game. But yeah, Things like that—that's uh, what I want. You—you you want that kind of spirit. You want players fighting for each other. You know, it's totally made us forget about the likes of Mr. Sissoko and things like that. I mean, that's, this is what I want. That—that's what you want. You want lads working hard for each other, covering in each other. If there's any bad tackles going in; they're all sticking up for each other. It's just wonderful. It's just kind of wonderful to watch. And um, mm. you know, we've got Blackburn on Saturday. You know, Blackburn are really struggling, and you know, all better off really. I mean, if you, you just imagine we're going to beat Blackburn. But, you know, we will turn up, we will be professional Rafa Benitez will have his dossier players because, again, like yesterday, I walked in the Leeds, I'm looking there, I'm thinking, who's he, who's he, who's he, who's he, who's he? The difference is with me and a fan, to Benitez, Benitez literally It leaves no stone unturned. All these players, all these teams where you're playing, he'll have have them watched. He knows everything about them. And that's what cuts him apart. And when people were saying he was going to struggle in this league, it was the most wishful thinking I've ever heard. Mainly by Southern fans, to be honest with you, because they're Mm. just all thick as mints. But when he (laughs) stayed, you know... That was the changer for me. It was a massive game changer. This guy's world class. You know, if you look at the Premier League, how many how many better managers is there in the Premier League than Rafa Benitez? And you know, your likes of Jose Mourinho and your likes of um, Pep Guardiola, would they have took on a challenge like Newcastle United? The answer's mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. The answer's no. That's why I've got so much respect for him. And you know, if he turns this, if he turns this club round, which he is doing little bit little by little, um, he'll not know love like it. he don't mind. <laughs> Fantastic.
0: Great stuff. Thanks a lot, Lee. What, well, give me a score for the weekend? Um,
7: I'll just see a 2 0, because if we get the first goal and second goal, we'll just shut up shop.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think, I think so too. Thanks, so come on, Lee. Appreciate it. We'll catch All you ahead. next week, okay? See you later, Thanks a lot, mate. Ta-da, mate. ta And bring in the last call of the night, and that is John, a Newcastle Cash fan, calling from Bristol. Good evening, John. How are you? Later,
8: Good evening Andrew, good evening lads and good evening you lads, I'm absolutely fantastic and how are you feeling?
0: Not too bad, so you must have enjoyed the game, uh, the way that we played and obviously the goals and it's been a, it's, and we've got a record to go for uh, coming up at the weekend and who knows when it, where it might, where, where might go from there.
8: Um, yeah I mean I'm on Sunday, I thought it's absolutely fantastic, I'll be looking through all the game for the first 30, 35 minutes and then lead come back into the game and um, we lost away way just a little bit, but their final ball's been poor. And in the second half, I mean, Leeds started really well. And um, the turning point for me, when Darlow made a fantastic save, early in the second half, and then, and then we mm. killed them off with the second goal. But all in all, I fought the defence um, above a little few scares around. I mean, we defended really, really well. The midfield in John John Jack was fantastic in the midfield. Absolutely fantastic midfield. I thought those two have to start in all games and all like. And I thought Rich was a little bit disappointed for this a little bit. He tried, but um, he wasn't really in the game. And up front, I thought Perez. I know a lot of people talking about us, but I thought he did okay yesterday. You know, I mean, he defended well and um, you know trying to link out the player and. Light. What can you say
0: about him? He's just an absolute finisher. And then, I mean, the first goal mm. was a gift, but the second goal was just fantastic. Quality. But the second goal, was fantastic, wasn't it? Got you up. It gets you up, doesn't it? Whether when you saw the second one, I just thought it was quality. Neil, like the thing, the thing I liked about that one, it was just quality, wasn't it? And they knew how to finish it off, didn't they, Neil?
1: Mm, absolutely. Uh, it. it it's all about the, the the quality gap isn't it in that division I think we've got uh, quality in a number of positions and I think it shows every game so far you mm-hmm. know um, even the games we haven't done so well in um, we've had chances where, you know you, you think back to the opening game against Fulham we really you know should have a stone wall penalty it would have changed the entire mm-hmm. game I know Leeds totally could win and, and say something similar Um about yesterday, I know, I know that's all they seem to have done uh, since the game was whinge about the potential penalty. But some you get, some you don't, even out mm. over the season. Didn't life. look like oh, I didn't. I must
0: be there. It was you know, like again, what do you think, John? I, I wasn't sure it was a penalty myself, it was, it was kicked right at him, you know.
8: Well, the thing is, though, I mean, when the ball came in, it came at speed, didn't it? I mean, mm. um, Jack tried to get out of the way, sort of thing. if it, was, if it, if it gave a penalty away. If, if Leeds had a penalty event, it would have been real a bit harsh. Yes, it was handball, but oh wait, was it? Was it, was it, was it, the But No. Did he look to the ball when the cross came in? No. I mean, I thought of the referee just about got that one right sort of thing. I know um upset the Leeds fans sort of thing, you know what I mean? But I thought the referee, and I don't want to talk about referees, no, got. I think he got that decision right.
0: Mm. I think the one thing I think uh, because t- near the half time break they were starting to build up a bit of head of steam um but there was nothing <laughs> there was nothing thinking about it, was it? They just lumped the ball in the air <laughs> lumped <laughs> the ball forward, and you know they they did a couple of things, but I think the one thing I liked, I don't know if you agree, but when Darlow made the save, I think last season they would have messed around with it. But uh, LaSalle just, he saved it, he kicked it straight out for, for the corner straight away without any messing around in. And I think that they're learning so much from Ms. Benitez to, to more let's get rid of it.
1: The, well, like Lee, Lee was saying before, you know, uh, when we cleared the fourth corner in a row, the mm. backroom staff would, would give them the fist pumps because they knew, we've done our job here, we've got organized. I think mm. we used to be terrified at set pieces.
3: Yeah we remember when we went through
1: that period where we couldn't score from them but we're constantly conceded at them. And and I think there's been leftovers of that in the training ground for since since that time. Um, and so I think the the players now have the confidence to understand, right, just put the ball out, get organized, we've got a better chance to defend the corner than we have pinball in the box. Whereas previously we're panicking. And Fanny on with it, and it's and the ball's like a hot potato. Whereas at least if you're sticking it out of play, you're making a decision. And again, age-old saying: you cannot score when the ball's in Rose's head. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think John. When you uh, the one thing, what's the one thing you picked picked up upon when it comes to the defending? There's obviously now a plan. Like I, I like even yesterday, I I didn't think uh, Rich had a great game, but. Thing is, we can just switch it, and like I think Neil said earlier, that we didn't have to move out like the third gear to be able to, you know, from the start, we were telling Lees what we we're going to do, and, and Lees didn't have an answer for it. And but that that mistake that the Goku made even had me scratching my head. That must have <laughs> <been>. <laughs> I couldn't believe also, that it's one.
8: Just, it's just a routine. I'll expect to rob me 99 99 times out of 100. He would have just caught the ball because, um, Youngson, um, the defender actually told him he's covered. He's covered sort of thing when he really caught the ball. I thought he caught the bar, and I was just, um, kind of the other way. But I looked around I thought, oh, on a minute. Dale Scott scored. How did that came up? Because mm. obviously he made a mistake. It was a gift of a goal, man. I mean, that actually set the tone. And, um, to be honest with you, I mean, once he scored the first goal, I'll be honest with you, I was really comfortable yesterday at the match. I was really comfortable. And, um... You know, I thought, throughout the day, they are defending, the one thing I've noticed right, in the commentary yesterday, how many times was Kieran Clark's name being mentioned yesterday? Mm. I don't fucking remember now. Mm. Because this guy, I, he's a leader, he's a talker as well, and he also mm. talks as well, organises the defence, talks to people sort of thing. When he first came to us, I thought um, Aston Villa fans was just absolutely laughing at us, seeing Aston Villa's <laughs> yeah. um, board. And they, they were <laughs> yeah. they absolutely laughing Celebrated, right? Selling Kevin Clark to Newcastle, right? And you know what? We're celebrating now because he's doing a damn good job, and mm. he is—he is an eight out of ten defender every single week. Because this mm. guy is so damn good, and he's Makes, absolutely mm. putting it together.
0: Makes a great point, doesn't he, John? Because I must be—I agree with him. I, I didn't quite understand what was going on there, Neil.
1: Well, he's—he's he's a rare beast. He's a left-footed centre-back. And brings balance to a team um and, and he came with it with with there was there was a you know degree of uncertainty he had this reputation of being a somebody who dived in who, who got out of position um and, and it would seem whether this is the effect of he's he's prepared to work hard and listen to what Rafa's telling him to do and he's he's playing it by the by the book that Rafa wants him to do, and how much of it is him. Um, mm. And how much of it is how he sits? It fits into the system we're playing, but he, mm-hmm. he looks very hard to dislodge from that back four. Um, I've even even quite liked him uh, when he's when he's been out at left back, and in certain games, you'll play him there when he wants a bit more height at the back, He'll, uh, uh, and and that versatility is what again it's more cover, it's more uh, choices and options for for the for the squad. So. As again, as the games go on, etc., etc.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but he's, at the minute, that, he, you can't give a reason to, to, to leave him out the side. He must be one of the first names on the sheet at the moment.
3: Mm-hmm. G-
0: give me a score for the weekend, John, before we end the show.
8: Um, for the Blackburn game, I mean, I believe if we win on Saturday, it's going to be a club record. Am cr- I right in saying it's a club record?
0: I think so, yeah. Nine ten
8: games in a row. Ten games, yeah. It is. Um, Against Blackburn, I think it's going to be, I, I agree with what Lisa did earlier, and I've got to say to you, Neil, as well, because once he's got a setting goal, then the game is all about sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But what I will say, if I let it go as well, I mean, you talk about defending the game, if you keep clean sheets, right, there's a golden rule, you keep clean sheets, and you score goals, you win games, it's as simple as that. And if you can do that, I think we could be promoted by February, I think, probably promoted by March. But again, it's gonna be a long way to go. It's a long season ahead, but we will go up. It's just a question of if, but when.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves with that one. But <laughs> I think uh, you know, one game. I think that the one thing that um, he's always said <laughs> yeah, is right. one game, you, one, one game, game at a time. time. It's exactly, all he can do you know, in Rappi this said, life.
8: Exactly. Rapper even said that as well. Sort of thing. He said that one game at a time, one game at a time. And um, I'm gonna follow his deal. I'm just gonna say one game at a time be where it takes us, right, and um, we just keep winning games, and we will do, I believe we can do it, but, it's um, just, going to the
0: next game, and, um, exactly. let's we get one on Saturday, 2-0. Exactly, exactly. Well, thanks so much for coming on, John, we'll catch you next week, okay, thanks so much.
8: You're welcome, thanks a lot, cheers luck, mate, take care,
0: thanks though, um, yeah, bye, bye bye John, John. cheers bye. 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 Well, that was a, cheers, thank you, well, that was a great show tonight, wasn't it, we had the, Making um, obviously Janine really? self fantastic. having Janine on obviously she was on last year as well, and making a debut tonight was Alison Bender, um, who uh, you know for the first time on the show, brilliant. The same as Janine. The, the more women we have on the bet as far as I'm concerned, um, and I'm going to keep on trying that as well. So thanks so much for everybody coming on tonight. We have regular guests on as ever, but a special thank you uh, to Janine self and Alison Bender to being on Tune Talk. And we look forward to having many other ladies on and the ladies back on the show quite soon. And thanks very so much. And that's Tune Talk. I'm
3: three, I'm